Good morning. The business meeting of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. Uh, this morning, we will consider the Strategic Competition Act of 2021, as well as S-14, a bill to establish the China Censorship Monitor and Action Group, and S-814, the Ukraine Security Partnership Act of 2021. We also have two nominees on the agenda, Victoria Newland to be Undersecretary for Political Affairs, Uzra Zaya to be Undersecretary for Civilian Security, Democracy, and Human Rights. These positions are essential to advancing our diplomacy, our interests, and our values. And these, and these two nominees are superbly qualified to do so, particularly given their decades of experience in the Foreign Service. I strongly support their nominations, urge all of my colleagues to work together towards their swift confirmation. Um, let me turn to the legislative side of the agenda. As I've said before, I believe that China today, led by a Communist Party and propelled by Xi Jinping's hypernationalism, is unlike any challenge we have ever faced as a nation. China today is challenging the United States, destabilizing the international community across every dimension of power, political, diplomatic, economic, innovation, military, even cultural, and with an alternative and deeply disturbing model for global governance. So this is a challenge of unprecedented scope, scale, and urgency, and one that demands a policy and strategy that is genuinely competitive. So I am genuinely pleased that Senator Risch and I, with input from many members of the committee, have come together to create the Strategic Competition Act of 2021. The Strategic Competition Act is an unprecedented bipartisan effort to mobilize all United States strategic, economic, and diplomatic tools for an Indo-Pacific strategy that will allow us to truly confront the challenges China poses to our national and economic security. This moment demands a unified strategic response that we can rebuild American leadership, invest in our ability to outcompete China, and reground diplomacy in our core values. The bill will help us reinforce and rebuild alliances and partnerships, restore American leadership of international and regional organizations, respond to China's predatory economic practices, reinvest in replenishing the sources of our economic strength and innovation, and ground our approach to China in our values and highest aspirations as a nation. There should be little doubt that the right framework for thinking about our relationship with China is strategic competition. Not because that is what we want or, why we, or what we have tried to create, but because of the choices that Beijing has and is making. And we must be clear-eyed and sober about Beijing's intentions and actions and calibrate our policy and strategy accordingly. I want to reiterate my thanks to Ranking Member Risch for his excellent contributions offered in a bipartisan spirit of cooperation. Uh, in fact, I'd like to thank all members and their staffs for their significant contributions to the bill. And I would be remiss if I did not extend my enormous appreciation to the ranking member's staff and my own for their tireless efforts on this bill, which included hundreds of hours of painstaking negotiations, as well as countless late nights. As I mentioned earlier, we'll also be taking up the China Censorship Act, and I commend Senators Merkley and Rubio for their work on this bill. It's an important contribution, and they have been waiting for quite some time to get it out of the committee. And finally, with respect to Ukraine, in the seven years following Russia's invasion, 
Ukrainian service members have selflessly and courageously continued to defend their homeland against Russian ground, sea, and cyberspace assaults that violate Ukraine's sovereignty and security. I'm proud to join with Senator Risch on the Ukraine Security Partnership Act, a long-term security assistance package that demonstrates our bipartisan commitment to a secure Ukraine. As we all know, the security situation has grown increasingly dire as thousands of Russian forces have amassed on Ukraine's border. This bill could not be timelier in sending a message to the world that we stand by Ukraine. Let me finally register my deep concern about the treatment of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. The Russian government must release Mr. Navalny immediately and allow him access to desperately needed medical care. We must be perfectly clear that if he is not afforded this care, we are prepared to impose sanctions not only on individuals, but on the Russian banking and financial sector. This is barbarism playing out in real time, and we cannot be silent. With that, let me recognize our distinguished ranking member for his common Senator Rich. Thank you, uh, Chairman Menendez. Uh, I want to thank everyone uh, for being here today. Uh, the good news uh, for everybody who's here is that uh, if indeed, as uh, is true in a lot of the speeches that we give, and that is that uh, the issues facing us today in foreign policy, and perhaps for the entire 21st century, is going to be China, China, and China, uh, this is our answer. And uh, th this has been a long time coming. It's been uh, a lot of hard work. And uh, I want to thank all of our members uh, of this committee who were consulted actively and who, who participated actively, and their staffs uh, per, uh, participated actively. This, this has got virtually everyone's fingerprints on it, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, as a result of that, of course, uh, we have a piece of legislation that uh, has things in it everybody will love and things in it that everybody aren't, aren't so red hot about, but that's the way you get legislation through. Um, I've said from the beginning this proposal uh, needs to be strong, actionable, and truly bipartisan, and it really does. It, it's, it, the, the challenge that we're facing from China deserves uh, no less than what we're undertaking here. I think this uh, package uh, that we've prepared today for markup uh, actually meets all of those uh, uh, criteria. Uh, this, this bill, I, I can't overstate uh, the significance of the bill. It has the potential to be an important step toward ensuring the U.S. is postured uh, to compete with China for decades to come. Indeed, if we are successful here, that will be the outcome. Only history will judge that, but uh, this really needs to be done. One of the, uh, one of the priorities that I had, and I want to compliment uh, Senator Menendez for working with me on this, because th this is a difficult uh, situation, but it, uh, it, it definitely needed to be addressed, and it's, uh, it, it's going to be controversial as it gets out in the public. Uh, I had the uh, good fortune, Vicky and I had the good fortune of traveling in China in 1983. And at that time, China was very much uh, a third world country. And as I looked around, it had nothing that, uh, that we had. And uh, I, I couldn't imagine things being differently. Well, fast forward these decades, and of course, uh, things have changed dramatically. Now, how did that happen? Well, China has stolen every single good idea we have and uh, taken it back to their people to make life better for them, except... They left behind the freedoms that we have, the respect for human rights that we have, uh, and certainly uh, our form of democracy uh, that we have. Their autocratic uh, form of government is very different than ours, um, and uh, as a result of that, they can move things uh, much more quickly. 
And uh, as a result of that, they've gotten to where they are by stealing our ideas. Now, one of the ways they've done that is through our university system. There are 300,000 Chinese students studying in America today. 300,000. They're not here studying uh, ancient Greek philosophy. They're not studying home economics. They're studying in all the areas that we, for decades, have built uh, the foundations that we have for America. Now, there's nothing wrong with us sharing uh, our good fortune with the world. Indeed, we want everyone to have uh, the quality of life that, uh, that Americans have. Uh, but unfortunately, the uh, Chinese have, uh, have uh, infused a tremendous amount of influence into the universities. So one of the, per one of the uh, ways that uh, we've come up with in this bill uh, to counter that is that we are going to require that these very substantial contributions of a million dollars or more be reviewed by CFIUS just as uh, the other kinds of expenditures to determine whether or not these things are in the uh, best interest of, of the United States. Um, the, uh, we don't, don't allow our politicians to take money from China. Uh, why don't we? Because we don't want them influenced with the uh, kind of things that China is peddling. There's no reason why these important institutions that are, are debating and, and that are uh, producing the future leaders of this country should have that kind of influence if indeed it is put there for the line purposes. So as a result of that, we've come up with this provision so that CFIUS has a look at it. Now, let's, let's not be naive. We're going to get pushback from the colleges and universities. Everybody in this room has dealt with uh, uh, college presidents before, and it's their job to generate as much money as they can for the colleges and universities. But uh, it is not right to be taking money from the Chinese Communist Party. Indeed, if money is fungible, and it is, certainly some of the money that, uh, that the Chinese Communist Party amasses is a result of slave labor, labor from the Uyghurs. And if you trace that money, uh, where does it go? It goes into their general pot and then into whatever they spend it on. So you can make a very legitimate argument that that money is, uh, is going into our colleges uh, and universities, which should not be done. Uh, we hope the colleges and universities will look at this, uh, buy onto our, our, our arguments that, uh, this, that this needs to be substantially more tamped down and regulated uh, than, than what it is. And if they have constructive... Uh, uh, ways of dealing with this. Uh, we certainly have no problem with, the, uh, with, with dealing with that. We saw an example right here in this committee uh, when Linda Greenfield testified. I supported her. And one of the reasons I supported her was she admitted that she had made that speech that was highly favorable towards China and did it as a result of a $1,500 contribution uh, from uh, a Confucius Institute that uh, employed her to speak at that. So if you can buy that for $1,500, imagine what you can buy with millions uh, that go into these colleges and universities. So with that, uh, let me just conclude on, on, on that note that this bill really has the potential for drawing 75, 80 or more votes on the floor. Senator Menendez uh, and I both started on this uh, in the prior Congress. I'd introduced a bill. Senator Menendez introduced a bill. So th this has been in the works for many, many months. Um, there, uh, the work has been, uh, been difficult, but we've gotten through it. And, and I want to join Senator Menendez in thanking all members of the committee for uh, being involved in this and the staffs. Particularly, I want to commend uh, Senator Menendez's staff 
and my staff at working together, these were difficult things to work through. And as Senator Menendez noted, uh, they had many light nights uh, trying to bring this together, and, and they've done really an outstanding job. So uh, with that, we've got uh, some amendment work to do on this. I'm going to be voting against some of the amendments, uh, even some that are, that are uh, submitted by uh, members of my own party. And uh, it's painful sometimes to vote against these because I, my heart's there. But on the other hand, we, we've made commitments as far as getting this bill to where it is that is a balance that can really uh, go, go across the floor uh, in, uh, in good fashion and have a very substantial vote behind it. And I think that's very important. So thanks to all that participated in this. It's certainly been a team effort. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can't make this work. I would, I would again plead with, uh, uh, with everyone, uh, particularly the majority leadership at this time, to let this bill run by itself. I know Senator Young and Sen Senator Schumer have uh, a bill of their own that is a China bill. It's an entirely different lane than this bill is. This bill is, is very much in our lane as the Foreign Relations Committee. I think uh, Senator Young and Senator Schumer's bill Lane is more in a commercial sense. I'm, I'm not as familiar with it as I should be because I've been focused on this. But again, I hope this one will be a standalone vote uh, that we can take, and I think we can do good things with it. Uh, I, uh, uh, as far as the Ukraine uh, Security Partnership Act that we're going to vote on, seven years ago, Russia illegally seized Crimea and began a campaign of covert military support for Eastern Ukraine, Ukraine separatists. In the past few weeks, Russia has built up a massive military presence on Ukraine's border, and fighting tensions have increased in the Eastern Ukraine. You can add this to the long, long list of Russia's malign activities. Uh, this bill, I think, addresses that. Um, there's going to be an amendment offered today. Senator Cruz's amendment would require the president to report to Congress within 15 days with the Nord Stream uh, 2 AG, the company building Nord Stream pipeline, and around 20 other entities are eligible for sanctions under the uh, under PISA, which of course we know they are, and we want to urge them to uh, to move forward with those and get that done. With that, uh, I we've got a lot of work to do this morning. I will uh, yield back. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you very much, Mr. Ranking Member, for your comments. Uh, let me first uh, turn to the two nominations on the agenda. Ambassador Victoria Newland to be the Special Representative for Nuclear Nonproliferation. No, that's not right. That's Undersecretary. Undersecretary for Political Affairs. Oh, yeah. to, to be Undersecretary for Political Affairs. And Ms. Uzra Zaya to uh, also to the position of Undersecretary. Um, would any senator like to speak concerning these nominations? If not, I'll entertain a motion to approve both nominations by voice vote. So moved. S moved, seconded. The question is on the motion to favorably report the nominations. All in favor will say aye. 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 All of those opposed will say no. The, the ayes have it and the nominations are agreed to. Uh, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Senator Paul will be recorded as a no. Uh, the ayes have it and be favorably reported to, to the Senate. Without objection, we'll now consider S-1169, the Strategic Competition Act of 2021. I'm very pleased that over the past couple of days, the ranking member and I and our staffs have painstakingly negotiated a bipartisan manager's package. This package takes the base bill of the Strategic Competition Act, which the ranking member and I circulated a few weeks ago, and it incorporates your excellent input. 
dozens of Democratic and Republican amendments have now been worked into the text. So it's no longer really a Menendez-Risch text. It is already, in a very concrete sense, a committee text. Once adopted, the manager's package will serve as the base bill for the, for the markup. Um, unless there are any comments or questions. I would Senator concur Ryan. in the chairman's uh, comments, and I would move the adoption of the uh, motion been made to approve the manager's package by voice vote. Is there a second? Seconded by Senator Cardin. All those in favor will say aye. 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 Opposed, say no. The ayes have it, and the amendment is agreed to. Next, I want to briefly discuss how I intend to approach amendments today. This committee has not marked up a bill of this size and with this many amendments for several years. Additionally, we are under COVID restrictions, so each office has had to print and organize all the relevant paper on their own. Particularly in light of this complexity, I'm going to make every effort to organize the markup as efficiently and effectively as possible. So I intend to go down the dais in order of seniority, alternating between Democrats and Republicans, uh, asking you to call up only one amendment each turn. And I intend to continue in this process until all members are satisfied in terms of amendments that they seek to offer. If there is a second amendment to that amendment, then we will consider that second amendment uh, at that time after the first amendment has been uh, offered. I also want to say uh, that uh, I have been working with a ranking member to have a bill that, number one, not only can be reported on a bipartisan basis on the floor, but that can sustain challenges to it on questions such as blue slip, which is, of course, issues of generating revenues over in the House of Representatives um, and uh, out of our jurisdiction. I've heard from several of chairmen and a few ranking members about uh, issues that are before, may come before the committee uh, of which they have exerted very strong opinions about the rights that they have of jurisdictional issues. And as vigorous as I like to support the committee's jurisdictional issues, I understand why they are doing that in their respect. So uh, I think we're going to have a ro robust debate, a lot of amendments, but there may be some that fall into those buckets that I will have to uh, rule out of order. So with that, let me turn to Senator Risch for any amendments that he may have. Uh, first of all, let me concur in the uh, uh, chairman's remarks uh, regarding uh, the construction of the bill that uh, we can actually accomplish something, and uh, I agree with him on the blue slip remarks. And, and also, uh, on top of that, we, we know there's some poison pills out there uh, that are fall, fall within our jurisdiction. I'll be voting against all those poison pills as much as it it pains me because some of the things uh, substantively I, I, I support. But nonetheless, uh, I, I think that uh, uh, we have a product here that, uh, that with uh, the consideration of the uh, non-poison pill amendments that, uh, that we can move. So I'm uh, going to yield back uh, without any amendments, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much. Senator Cardin. Uh, let me thank the Chairman and Ranking Member. Uh, this bill is very important, and I hope we can move it quickly. I want to thank uh, you and your staff for working with our staff, as you pointed out. Included in the manager's package that was just approved are several amendments that I offered in regards to the human rights dimension, uh, dealing with a report on corruption uh, within the Chinese regime, uh, as well as dealing with the plight of the Uyghurs. 
and the Hong Kong uh, um, human rights advocates. And I appreciate uh, the strong commitment to human rights that are included in the manager's package. Also included was an amendment that would have uh, removed the, the sunset on the global Magnitsky and codified a stronger provision. I understand that there's been communication between staffs here and uh, the uh, uh, speaker's staff in, in the House of Representatives. There is a blue slip issue. I believe those issues have been resolved, but they have not been resolved to the satisfactory of uh, the House and Senate at this particular moment. Uh, there's a way of drafting it that it does not create a blue slip issue, and I hope I can work with the chairman and the ranking member as we move forward to see whether there still may be an opportunity on this bill for that provision to be included. I don't, I don't believe it's controversial. I think everyone here supports the global Magnitsky and removing the sunset. It's bipartisan legislation. Uh, if we cannot get it into this legislation, then we will look for a vehicle, a House vehicle, in order to move this legislation. And I serve on the Senate Finance Committee, so I will also be working with the, my colleagues on the Senate Finance Committee. But it's extremely urgent that we uh, make it clear that Congress maintains its support for the global Magnitsky sanctions, which have been so widely accepted globally uh, and very important tool against uh, the Russian Federation and other governments that have abused the rights of their citizens. So with that, Mr. Chairman, and let me thank you. I have no additional amendments that I wish to offer. Well, thank you, Senator Carr. Let me just say I strongly support uh, your uh, uh, ending the sunset on Global Magnitsky. And but for the potential blue slip issue, I, I would be uh, uh, making sure you, order, you had it up and I would be voting for it. I think you would get overwhelming vote here in the, in the committee. If we can get clearance before the end of this markup, I will recognize you again to do it. And if not, you have my commitment to work with you on the floor to try to achieve it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Rubio. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I want to also appreciate the work that you and the ranking member staff have put in putting this together. A lot of our amendments have been included. I did want to call up um, um, Rubio Amendment Number 1, which I think is... And I believe there's an amendment first-degree amendment to the amendment, which is the one that we should probably take up. Ready? Senator is recognized for five minutes. Thank you. And hopefully it won't take that long. It, uh, we, we, uh, one thing the bill does, does not do, it, it doesn't include any actionable measures to address uh, Beijing's activities in the South China Sea. And, and it's clear that what they're doing is a flagrant violation of international law. A Hague Tribunal rejected their maritime claims and it was a unanimous decision. And, um, and despite that, we now see an unprecedented amount of outpost development, military presence there. You'll recall that in September 2015, Xi Jinping stood in the Rose Garden, President Obama, and he pledged that they would not militarize the South China Sea. Well, by December of the following year, we had imagery showing that she had deployed military assets, including large anti-aircraft guns at each of the outpost Beijing controls in the Spratly Islands. They built runways on these islands, dozens of hangars for fighter aircraft, anti-ship cruise missiles, anti-aircraft batteries, missile defenses, and it's using these islands for its pressure campaign against Taiwan, Vietnam, the Philippines, Malaysia, and the Spratlys and Paracels, and it's even pressed into the Natuna Sea to challenge Indonesia. And... Um, 
they now have over 20 outposts in the Parasol Islands and seven in the Spratly Islands. It uses a constant Coast Guard presence to control the Scarborough Shoal, which it illegally seized from the Philippines in 2012. Uh, since 2013, they've engaged in dredging and artificial island building, creating 3,200 acres, 3,200 acres of new land. And, and it's also substantially augmented their presence in the Parasol Islands. Go on and on, but in recent weeks, we've seen them continue to use the intimidation to change the facts on the ground. It's creating a new flashpoint in the South China Sea, Beijing is, by they're massing about 220 fishing and militia vessels in a reef inside the Philippines' exclusive economic zone, and it's a traditional Filipino fishing ground. And so what this amendment would do is it would impose, it would do a number of things, but I think that the, the key is that it would impose sanctions on Chinese persons and entities that contribute to development projects in parts of the South China Sea contested by a member country of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations or engage in actions or policies that threaten the peace or stability in disputed South China Sea areas or in an East China Sea area administered by Japan or South Korea. It would prohibit U.S. entities from investing in or insuring projects involving sanctioned ent entities in either sea. It would impose prohibitions and restrictions on correspondent and payable through accounts related to sanctioned entities if the Office of the Director of National Intelligence determines that China has taken certain actions such as declaring an air defense identification zone over the South China Sea. It goes on and on, a number of other items regarding uh, government publishing prohibitions and things of this nature. But those are the, the key provisions. Uh, I would point out that this is a bill that I have filed, a bipartisan bill that I have filed, I believe, since 2016, and it's been referred to this committee um, each time. It, uh, I think we've not taken action on it up to this point, but I hope that that will change today. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Senator Rubio. Um, let me, and then I'll recognize members, let me just make a, a comment. I share your concerns about the PRC's aggressive and expansionist approach in the South Sinai Sea. It's clear we have to do a better job in bringing to bear all the tools at our disposal to shape, constrain, and deter Beijing's behavior. But this amendment uh, contains uh, provisions that would clearly create a blue slip issue um, and therefore uh, allow the whole bill to fall on the floor. Uh, as well has provisions in it uh, that are outside of the committee's jurisdiction. Uh, so while I share your concerns and would be happy to work with you as we move forward, uh, I will have to vote no uh, today based upon those issues to preserve the integrity of the bill on the floor. Senator Paul. Uh, I oppose the amendment. I think uh, defining things as contested areas without GPS coordinates could mean anything. It's overly broad. I think also this would include construction or development projects that might not be military in nature. So I, I think it needs to be thought through a little more before something like this is passed. So I, I will oppose the amendment. Uh, any other uh, comments? Senator Risch? Well, <clears throat> Mr. Chairman, I'm, I'm going to support this amendment. And uh, first of all, I... Uh, the South China Sea is really important uh, on the issue involving China. And, and I agree with the chairman that the House very well could uh, raise the blue slip issue on this, just as it would in, in Magnitsky. But I'm, I'm really concerned that uh, to say that we can allow House Ways and Means to uh, uh, preempt entirely the field of uh, uh, of sanctions, I, I just don't buy onto, and I, I think uh, they, they can raise. You know, can't be raised here. It's going to be raised in the house, and I think they're going to house is going to deal with this anyway. So I think we'll wind up uh, perhaps in a 
uh, in a conference committee uh, uh, knocking these out. I can't imagine that they'd want to walk away from the uh, provisions regarding the uh, South China Sea. So for, for that reason, I'm going to, and I share the same thing. Uh, my view is the same as far as uh, Senator Cardin's are concerned. I just, I, I don't want to concede this this ground to the to the House Ways and Means Mr. Committee. Chairman. So. Uh, Mr. Chairman. Yes, Senator Cardin. I believe I'm Senator Rubio's co-sponsor of the amendments. I strongly support it, but I'm going to support the chairman. I, I think Senator Rishi raises a very good point. I don't want to accept what the House is saying, but I think we have to have a process to bring these issues to conclusion and not jeopardize the overall bill in doing that. I'm willing to back off on Global Magnitsky. I would hope that Senator Rubio would work with us in regards to the China Seas. I hope we can get that included in the legislation before it reaches the president's desk, but I think the orderly way to do it is not to raise an issue in the bill that we're moving forward that you would like to see considered on its own, I think putting these provisions in it make it much more problematic that that will eventually happen. So I'm going to support the chairman, although I strongly support what Senator Rubio is trying to do in regards to China Sea. Thank you very much. Senator Rubio. Yeah, just to address a couple points on the argument of overly broad, I mean, actually China has consistently made this argument for years about this nine-dash line. If you look at the passports they issue, it, it, it claims these territorial uh, areas that, that do not belong to them. That's been adjudicated at the, at the Hague, which, which is the international body that adjudicates these matters with great precision, and they lost unanimously, and they've ignored it and done whatever they wanted. On the issue of jurisdiction, you know, um, obviously this is a major geopolitical issue. The tensions with the Philippines now are extraordinary, uh, and I hope everyone's paying attention to what could happen there next um, in, in, with regards to, uh, uh, you know, a real potential military conflict, uh, given the pr recent pronouncements by the president of the Philippines about what they intend to do. And, but this is part of an ongoing strategy to control one of the world's, if not the world's most important shipping lane. And um, this bill, I filed it as a bill four years ago, it was referred to this committee. So if it was referred to this committee, I, it's the only place that this could be worked. I would love for it to be voted on as a standalone bill. We've tried to do that. It hasn't happened. This is a bill regarding China and strategic competition and strategic issues. This is a major strategic issue. I'm not sure what the forum is in the Senate to address something like this if it's not the committee it's been referred to as a standalone bill. And, and I would hope that uh, we recognize that in how we vote today. Um, I understand how difficult it is to put together complex pieces of legislation and the, the procedural grounds that can be uh, raised as a result. But frankly, I mean, the, at the end of the day, if, if I file a bill and the bill's referred to the Foreign Relations Committee, this is the jurisdiction. It's the only jurisdiction I have as a senator to take it up in, and that's what I hope we'll do today. Thank you. Let me, uh, yes, Senator. Uh, um, if, if we're expecting a resolution on the blue slip issue with respect to Global Magnitsky, is it possible to get a resolution on this issue before the end of um, this? Well, we're not going to get all blue slip issues dealt with. We have been reaching out to the Ways and Means Committee uh, to try to uh, verify whether there is or isn't a blue slip issue on all of these questions. We're not going to get it done uh, by the end of this markup, so that's that's clear. Uh, the question is, uh, uh, listen, I, I share Senator Rubio's concerns, uh, but if we're going to start picking over which blue slip issue we're going to uh, preserve and which one we're not, uh, then we're going to have a risk on the floor. Uh, the, the question becomes, I, I would like to have a product after all this hard work that withstands uh, the, the test of leaders on either side of the aisle 
choosing blue slip as a reason not to proceed with the vehicle. And so uh, I'd like to have the time to work as we move to the floor uh, to solve many of these, of which I happen to agree with. Magnitsky's one. I agree with Senator Rubio's, but I'm not about to take all of the work and then put it to risk on the floor. I don't, I'm not sure what that would be a pyrrhic victory. So, uh, Mr. Senator Rubio. Uh, if this fails, and I assume it's going to here, uh, I, I, I think Senator Menendez and I would commit that we're going to work with the House to try to get these things in there and get uh, uh, get them included, particularly if it gets a good vote here. On, uh, on I'd be happy to work towards that call. Thank you. Is there any other member wishing to be heard on this amendment? If not... Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be heard. Uh, yes, Senator Haggard. I'm going to support Senator Rubio's amendment because this area is of incredible strategic significance. It's part of a malign strategy that the Chinese Communist Party has been deploying in that region to take over one of the busiest sea lanes in the world. It's a vital flow of commerce for our allies in the region, and we need to stand strong right now rather than lose ground. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Senator Cruz. Mr. Chairman, I, I also support Senator Rubio's amendment. I'm a co-sponsor of it. I think this is an important amendment, and I appreciate the chairman's commitment to work with the ranking member and to work with the Ways and Means Committee to get the blue slip issue resolved because I think this would be a meaningful improvement in the, in the underlying bill. Anyone else? If not, the question is on uh, Rubio Amendment 1. Uh, all those in favor will say aye. Aye. All those opposed will say no, no. The no's have it, and the amendment is not agreed to. Uh, Senator Shaheen. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you to you and Senator Risch and everyone on this committee who has worked so hard on this legislation. We need a strategy, a whole-of-government strategy, to combat what China is doing, and we have not had one to the extent we need to. This bill is part of that effort to address it in a meaningful way across a variety of aspects of our government. Um, and I appreciate your including two of my amendments in the manager's package. Um, this third amendment, which is Shaheen Amendment Number 2, is really based on legislation that was passed out of this committee in 2012 and 2013 by unanimous consent um, that was sponsored initially. I was a co-sponsor, but Senator Durbin and Senator Bozeman. And the original bill was called Increasing American Jobs Through Greater Exports to Africa Act. What we have done is to take that legislation and to add Latin America. And the reason I did that is because I was at a Armed Services Committee hearing with Admiral Fowler, who's the head of Southern Command, which includes all of Latin America except Mexico. And he presented this map to us to show us the spreading of Chinese influence that's going on in Latin America. And you can see you probably can't see from, from where you're sitting, but there are several things that are really concerning about this. One is the $500 billion trade goal by 2025 that China has in Latin America, the 25 of 31 countries that host Chinese infrastructure projects, um, the $120 million value of COVID cumulative aid, and it goes on. I, we will leave this in the corner for anybody who would like to see it. But um, the red countries are One Belt, One Road members with China. And 
when we ask the question, so what does the map for the United States influence look like? Um, we don't have an answer yet. And so what this legislation is designed to do is to look particularly at exports in Latin America and Africa and to try and encourage additional exports, which will not only improve our influence in both of those countries, but it will also um, contribute to jobs in America. And it does this by adding coordinator roles to develop a target-driven strategy to ensure training for U.S. diplomats and increasing trade missions to both regions. So uh, this not only supports economic development in the regions, it will boost American jobs. I think, as we've all said, China's trade agenda threatens to undermine decades of our investment in Latin America and in Africa, and I hope you'll join me in supporting this amendment. Thank Mr. you, Chairman. Mr. Chairman. Senator Rich. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'm going to support this amendment. I, uh, this, this committee has a history uh, with this piece of legislation and has passed it before. Uh, I think it's a good addition. Unfortunately, it's one of those ones that just wound up on the cutting room floor because of the volume of things, so I'm going to support it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, Senator Booker. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, I am a co-sponsor of this, and I support it, uh, and I really see the urgency for it. We know that despite the strong demand for American products and services, China really and others really have been building the markets, uh, as we see from that chart, as well as on the African continent, and the U.S. is decidedly being left behind. Uh, from 2008 to 2019, China alone provided more than $462 billion in loans to the developing world, and in 2009, China surpassed the United States as the leading trade partner of African countries. The Export-Import Bank of the United States reports China's Export Finance Authority is larger than all the other export credit agencies in the G7 countries combined, making China the world's largest official creditor with a portfolio more than twice the size of the World Bank and International Monetary Fund combined. China's aggressive investment in Africa and abroad puts American businesses and workers at a severe disadvantage as key markets are instead filled by foreign companies using low-interest loan government, low government loans. African consumers lose access to high-quality American products, and American workers lose import-export markets. American businesses need more tools to compete with China, and this uh, would give the, that, us exactly that create jobs at home, and once again be, have America be seen as a leader in some of the most dynamic parts of the world. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Paul. I'll oppose the amendment. The deficit last year was over $4 trillion for the United States. This year it will be over $3 trillion. It uh, makes no sense to borrow money from China, to send it to countries to combat the effect of China. So this is fiscally unsound, adds to our deficit, and is not a good idea. Senator Young. I will be supporting the amendment. I'd like to be added as a co-sponsor. Um, investment per, per se by the uh, uh, Chinese Communist Party is, is not uh, a bad thing, uh, especially in our hemisphere. Uh, but their investments are transparent and trans, uh, not transparent, and they're transactional. Uh, they are oftentimes used uh, to put countries into debt traps. Uh, they're also used... 
uh, is to gain votes in international forums. Uh, they, they use their leverage to extract natural resources uh, in our hemisphere. And uh, increasingly, we're seeing mill-to-mill cooperation in a number of countries. Uh, most recently, I had some dialogue with the Jamaican government uh, that uh, was quite sobering. So um, uh, we need to up our own trade game. I think that's a, a very important part of the piece uh, to Senator Booker's comment. Uh, so we'll have to optimize those tools. And uh, we might even explore looking at USTR capacity, a very lean agency. Uh, but, um, you know, we need, to, we need to be striking as many of these trade agreements uh, or investment agreements as possible. So uh, I'll be supportive. Thank you. Senator Kuntz. Thank you, Chairman Menendez. I'm enthusiastically supporting the initiative of Senator Shaheen. I'll just draw your attention to the bottom left corner. Eight countries um, interested in partnering with China and getting access to a vaccine to combat COVID-19. Um, in the coming months, we will be awash in vaccines in the United States. Um, and I just would urge that we work together with the administration to find a way, once we have vaccinated the American population, to make available robustly our surplus of vaccines. I have heard from several African heads of state who I got to know in my years as the subcommittee chair, desperate for a path towards getting the more reliable, more effective American-developed vaccines. This is critical in South America, in the Caribbean, in Africa, in Oceania. There are many places in the world where the absence of our availability of our developed vaccines um, is something that we could work together um, to accelerate and would push back on some of the vaccine diplomacy by China. Thank you. Anyone Mr. else seeking Mr. Chairman. Senator Romney. Uh, I support this amendment also. Uh, this is as good a place as any to make a comment about the overall legislation, which I support and applaud. At the same time, I would note that I don't believe anyone would think that this legislation is going to change China's march towards global hegemony of autocracy and repression. Uh, we don't have, as a nation, a comprehensive, effective strategy to change China's course and to assure America's leadership in the world going forward over the long haul. And uh, while I very much support this legislation as a positive step, I would suggest that we have a lot more work to do and the administration in particular, given the fact that foreign policy is typically uh, carried out at the executive branch level, has a responsibility to actually help develop a highly effective strategy, which the world will look at and recognize in reality, we have developed an approach to change the trajectory that China's on and that we're on. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Very much appreciate the senator's remarks. Agree with him. I hope this can be the beginning of setting uh, some direction and continuing to build upon it. Is there any other member seeking recognition? Senator um, Portman. Chairman, I'm, I'm happy to support Senator Shaheen's amendment. We spoke about it yesterday on the floor, and it's interesting. We have free trade agreements with Central American countries, of course, uh, Colombia, Peru, Chile. So uh, we have an advantage, actually, and uh, this enables us to take advantage of those trade agreements uh, in a more specific way. And it is true that this is our hemisphere, as some would say, um, our zone of influence. And it is troubling when you see the investments and the sometimes uh, coercive activity that goes along with those investments and, um, and high interest loans and so on. So I, I think this is a step in the right direction, and I look forward to working with Senator Shaheen going forward on this. Thank you. Any other member seeking recognition? If Mr. Not, Chairman. I'm sorry. Senator Haggerty. First, I'd like to say I agree wholeheartedly with Senator Romney's comments. This is the beginning. 
of something that we have to spend a lot more time working on. But in this respect for this amendment, for Senator Shaheen's amendment, I support it wholeheartedly as well. Um, China is weaponizing trade. It's weaponizing its vaccine diplomacy, and we need to take every step we possibly can to step up our game to resist it. So thank you for making this amendment, Senator Shaheen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. There are no other members seeking recognition. Uh, the uh, vote is on the, uh, the Shaheen Amendment Number 2. All those in favor will say aye. 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 All those opposed will say no. The ayes have it, and the amendment is agreed to. Um, Senator uh, Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I want to thank you and the ranking member for including my uh, amendment on the Open Technology Fund, helping to ensure that uh, funds from that will actually be used to circumvent the firewall that uh, the Communist Party of China puts in place so that uh, Chinese people do not understand what's happening in the world, the censorship. Uh, I think it's incredibly troubling, so I appreciate you including that amendment. I have another amendment that uh, I will not ask for a vote on. Uh, apparently there are some issues of uh, jurisdiction, but I think I have both your commitment to work with me to try and get that on the floor. It really it relates to Taiwan. Uh, my amendments were really designed to put pressure on the Communist, China, or Communist Party of China uh, to hopefully modify their, their behavior. Uh, I don't think there's a, a better way of putting pressure on them is to support Taiwan. I think it's uh, very difficult to do it. Um, it's important to do it, uh, but to do it the right way. And I know there's some other amendments regarding Taiwan on, on the markup today. This would uh, elevate them to a tier one list on the uh, strategic trade authorization, uh, allowing them to obtain inf uh, different types of products without a license, uh, put them on par with, with other uh, friends and allies. So again, I just, I just appreciate your commitment to work with me in the future, but I think it's incredibly important that uh, we here in the United States Senate uh, show strong support for Taiwan as China ramps up its pressure on that, on that nation. Thank you. I share the Senator's concerns about Taiwan as the co-chair of the Taiwan Caucus, and I would very much look forward to working with the Senator to try to make this in order. With that, uh, Senator Coons. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Chairman Menendez, Ranking Member Risch, I just wanted to take a moment and um, congratulate you and your staff for very hard work. For the newer members of this committee, this is what legislating looks like, and it's very difficult. It's been very rare in the last couple of years, uh, and I am so grateful to both of you uh, for this moment, one of the more encouraging markups I've been a part of in many years on this committee. Um, I have uh, two amendments that um, I would love to have considered today, but for the same reasons other senators have just recognized, um, I will not be calling them up. Uh, one has to do with designating residents of Xinjiang as priority to refugees, uh, which would cause jurisdictional challenges. The other has to do with international standard-setting bodies, and I'll just briefly speak to this. China missed 4G. They are not missing 5G, and they absolutely intend to dominate 6G. There are a number of cutting-edge technologies where the Chinese are exceptionally aggressive on IP rights issues in global standard-setting bodies. Um, you did include in the base text um, a number of provisions that my very capable and talented um, staff, led by Tom Mancinelli, um, helped work with you on. Um, one was about U.S. and allied contributions to standard-setting bodies, which I appreciate. Another encourages USTR to work with our allies on digital trade agreements, and another calling for a thorough and credible investigation of forced labor and re-education in Xinjiang. Um, let me just say that um, to the points made about the need for a more comprehensive strategy, 
the best thing we can do is to start by investing in ourselves, demonstrating our democracy and our legislature can work, and investing in ways that will make us more competitive. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd be grateful to be added as a co-sponsor of this bill. Um, and one concluding comment, if I might, I'm an appropriator. There are seven of us here today who are on the SFOPS Appropriations Subcommittee. Um, there are aspirational funding levels for programs being authorized in this bill, which I enthusiastically will support on the floor. Um, but I hope everyone recognizes that the constraints in our current allocations on state and USAID funding will force very difficult decisions about funding. So I look forward to working in close consultation with you as well as with my ranking member, um, Senator Graham, as we move towards trying to fund the impressive, ambitious, even aspirational um, provisions that will be in this uh, and to, of course, work with the administration on how to move forward. Um, thank you again for what I think is going to be a great markup and a great process thank forward. Thank you, Senator Coons. Without objection, you will be added as a co-sponsor. I appreciate your forbearance of your amendments, which I agree with, uh, but it's just a question of, uh, uh, again, preserving uh, the sanctity of the bill as best we can on the floor. Uh, so we look forward to working with you, and we appreciate your leadership as the chair on the SHOP uh, and, and look forward to working with you to make as robust as possible our our abilities not only on this but on other things as well for the State Department. With that, let me recognize Senator Romney. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, I very much appreciate the numerous amendments which I offered uh, as, as having been included in the manager's package. I, I bring the committee's attention to one in particular, and that with, is with regards to the upcoming uh, Beijing Olympics. Uh, Senator Kane and I uh, worked together uh, to make sure that uh, that we point out that it's disgusting that the uh, IOC has provided uh, Beijing a platform uh, to uh, to host the world, uh, and uh, and to have a nation which is uh, committing genocide against the people is uh, at the same time hosting Olympic Games is something which is jarring and outrageous, um, and as a result, uh, the amendment uh, calls for a diplomatic boycott such that we will not be sending any diplomats to participate in the Olympic experience there. I would note for my colleagues that I think it's important at the same time that we not express our outrage by telling our athletes that they can't compete there and that we allow, this is not part of the amendment, but that we allow our athletes to, com to compete there. Um, they have trained their entire lives to be ready for this moment and asking a handful of young Americans not to be able to fulfill their dream uh, and to carry the burden of, of our national outrage would be a mistake. And instead, those who will carry that outrage will be our diplomats, uh, our sponsors, uh, 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 people who would otherwise uh, go as spectators. Uh, and that's where, in my opinion, the, uh, the boycott should occur. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank, Chair. you for your, thank you for your contribution, Senator Romney. Senator Kane? On Mr. Chair, I'd just like to uh, compliment my colleague, Senator Romney, on this proposal, which I think is a very important one. And I think we need to continue to explore other steps that we can take, particularly to shine the attention of the world on human rights issues in China during the Beijing Olympics, whether it's treatment of the Uyghurs, persecution of pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong. There will be an opportunity to grab dramatic attention during that period, and we need to explore additional ways to do that. But I appreciate my colleagues including me on this bill. Thank you very much. Senator Murphy. 
Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Um, let me uh, add my thanks to both you and the ranking member and your staff. This is uh, an extraordinary achievement. Uh, granted, there is still much work to do, um, but we have been uh, trying to compete with China and other ascendant nations with um, one and sometimes two hands tied behind our back. And this legislation, um, while certainly not completing the job, points us in a direction where we can start to stand up the real capacities that are going to allow us to be able to truly compete. Uh, and again, let me thank you for putting uh, this committee in the position to um, to lead uh, for ranking for the ranking member and the chairman to allow um, us further down the dais to um, uh, add our ideas to this legislation. Um, greatly appreciated. Um, two comments on the underlying bill as amended by the um, manager's package, and then I do have one amendment to offer. Um, I appreciate the focus that this bill puts on the direct investment that the Chinese government is making in our university system. I think that's appropriate. Uh, I will say that there is an important distinction between the impact of direct Chinese government funding in universities versus the role that Chinese students and researchers play um, in our university system. Uh, and I, I would hope that as we move this legislation to the floor and as we continue discussions about um, how we right-size our policy with respect to the role that um, Chinese funding, um, but also Chinese researchers are playing at our universities that we don't cut off our nose to spite uh, our face. I think we need to um, get this policy right. Um, second, there is a provision in the manager's package um, that um, uh, I think is really important. It um, requires the administration to notify uh, Congress and this committee um, when negotiations have begun um, on a bilateral, multilateral agreement with a foreign country uh, and when those um, negotiations have been completed. I think that can get us back in the game of having real input into, uh, these, um, uh, into these talks. Um, I do hope that there's some uh, openness to continue to work on that language. I know the State Department has some concerns about when they would be required to make that initial notification of Congress. It's sometimes difficult to know when a, a negotiation begins. Um, and so I would hope that we would um, work with the State Department moving forward to make sure that we get that provision right. Um, as to amendments, um, I want to thank uh, the chairman for agreeing to continue to work with me on uh, one amendment that I will not offer, uh, reestablishing a capacity at the State Department uh, to uh, incentivize and fund what we call subnational diplomacy. Uh, the Chinese are really good. Uh, at using um, regional and local uh, officials uh, to travel the world, to spread uh, China's message, uh, to spread their influence. Um, we're not as good at using governors and local elected officials to represent the United States abroad. There are many that are very willing. Uh, and so I would love to continue conversations about how we can reestablish what was a former capacity at the State Department uh, to help lead that effort. I think that's an example of a tool that we would be better off utilizing more robustly. Um, the amendment that I would like to call up, um, uh, if the chairman would allow me, is uh, revised Murphy uh, number five. It's revised Murphy number five was uh, called up and recognized. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. I want to thank Senator Coons and others for um, their leadership on empowering the Development Finance Corporation uh, to be able 
uh, to, to, to do the kind of international development deals um, that are, are good for the world and our partners, but uh, also help us compete with uh, a Chinese international development bank that still um, is, frankly, uh, dwarfs the size of our own. This uh, amendment uh, that I'm hoping the committee will support would do two things. First, it includes a sense of the Congress that DFC's equity investments should be treated as loans, which are expected to generate returns. Right now, these equity investments are treated uh, as spending, meaning um, that they, they count against us um, when it comes to congressional expenditures and any budget agreements that we provide. These equity investments are not that different than loans. They, in fact, bring money back into the U.S. Treasury. Uh, this is just a sense of the Congress that moving forward, working with other committees of jurisdiction, uh, we can treat them in the same way. That would allow DFC to do much more sound equity investment. Uh, second, uh, this amendment uh, would increase the cap for those uh, investments up to $100 billion. Again, we're talking about a China development bank that has a $1 trillion portfolio. Uh, this amendment would simply move from 60 to $100 billion, uh, the amount of equity investment that DFC can do. I would argue that we should go further, but that would be a really important step to try to get to uh, a position where we can better compete with China's International Development Bank, especially when it comes to developing nations, which is where DFC's focus is. Uh, Mr. Chairman. Senator Rich. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'm going to support this uh, amendment. Um, the, you know, it's not perfect. I'd rather the, the, the jump up was a little less than what it is, but I understand this opportunity doesn't come along very often, so I understand uh, why this is being done. More importantly, what I really like about this is mandating uh, the change on how uh, CBO works with these things. I mean, they, I, I never did... Uh, CBO does all kinds of things that I don't understand. This is a correction to uh, the way they're doing things that I think is uh, beneficial. So I'm going to support this amendment. Thank you. Uh, let me uh, say that uh, uh, I think uh, the revised amendment draws attention to the need for the equity fix to change the way CBO scores DFC's budget. And I support what Senator Murphy wants to achieve. I appreciate his decision to modify the amendment to remove language which may have triggered a 306 budget point of order from the Budget Committee. Okay. Um, so uh, I understand uh, that. So we support your compromise, and we urge others uh, to vote as well. I want to make one comment about uh, Senator Murphy. So we look forward to working with you and your subnational um, suggestions. I think it's a good one. Um, I do want to say one thing about the transparency provisions included in the manager's package. You know, I, I have a strong belief in a separate, separate co-equal branch of government. I have had that under Democratic and Republican administrations. Um, if we are not informed, we can't ultimately make uh, informed decisions. Uh, we stand ready and willing, as we have offered. I'm very supportive of this president and the State Department and the secretary, and we have offered the opportunity to revise it in such a way that meets our goal of getting information and notification in a timely manner uh, and not being overly burdensome. And so we'll continue to work with them uh, in that spirit. Um, is there any other uh, uh, comments about uh, this amendment? Senator Coons. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you, Senator Murphy. I enthusiastically support your amendment. 
um, as initially drafted, the Build Act had a $100 billion authorization. It was uh, Chairman Corker who at the last minute decided to bring it back down. And after it was enacted and seeing what good the DFC has done, and he, like Senator Risch, was like, you know, we, we should have put it up higher. So I think this is an overdue and welcome uh, correction. And the equity treatment I, I have tried so far unsuccessfully with OMB and CBO, and I look forward to working with you in coordination with the Budget Committee, OMB yep. and CBO, to address this equity scoring issue, which is critical if the DFC is actually going to achieve its impact. Thank you for offering this amendment. Any other members seeking recognition of this amendment? If not, uh, the vote is on the revised uh, Murphy Amendment 5. All those in favor will say aye. Aye. All those opposed will say no. no. The aye. The ayes have it, and uh, the amendment is agreed to. Uh, I ask the Senator Cruz will be recorded as no, as will Senator Paul. Uh, now let me turn. I see Senator Portman's not with us at this moment, so let me turn to Senator Paul. This bill has been devised as a way to counter China by spending government funds uh, through the National Science Foundation, about $10 billion a year. I think it's important before we add $10 billion a year to the National Science Foundation, this will be Paul Amendment 2, that uh, we look at a little bit of how successful they've been. We haven't authorized them in years, but we just keep funding them. They currently spend about $8 billion, so this would more than double their budget. Government, as we all know, lacks the profit motive and is inherently less efficient than the marketplace. Congress has doled out money again and again to the National Science Foundation only to see the money wasted decade after decade. There's no evidence that it will be any different this time. In 1975, the conservative Democrat William Proxmire criticized the NSF for spending $84,000 to try to find out why people fall in love. Now, 45 years later, the NSF is still spending money, 585000 to be exact, to find out how people fall in love, studying online dating habits. The late Senator Coburn similarly criticized the NSF for wasting money. I'm sure we've all heard of the infamous shrimp on a treadmill, the nearly $700,000 project to run a shrimp on an underwater treadmill. That's not all. $700,000 in money that was to be spent on autism research was subgranted to study whether Neil Armstrong, when he stepped on the moon, said, one small step for man or one small step for a man. That was $700,000 worth of autism research. This is the group you're wanting to give the money to. In the end, they listened to the tape over and over, the crackly tape from the moon, and they couldn't decide. So what does that have to do with China? Well, some in Congress want to pour tens of billions more into this very agency, the National Science Foundation, putting it not only in charge of science, but technology research as well. How well will the money be spent? Let's look at what they did with the money they already have. $1.5 million to study how to improve how tomatoes taste. Researchers determined that adding sugar would help. What about $188,000 to study why Americans won't use the metric system? $30,000 to study gambling habits in Uganda. And $500,000 to study if you take a selfie of yourself while smiling and look at it later in the day whether that will make you happy. Unless studying selfies is somehow a deterrent to China, what Congress is doing with this new effort is supercharging the next generation of government waste. If you're unwilling to fix the waste that currently exists in the National Science Foundation, there's no expectation they're going to do better this time. 
Increasing dollar amounts and expanding mandates is not the answer. We need government accountability to unleash private investment and to get Congress out of these funding decisions. Otherwise, we'll just keep borrowing money from China, hoping that the debt to them will stop their rising influence. Hardly a recipe for success. My amendment would attempt to pay for the $10 billion a year by looking at uh, foreign aid. We spend about $30 billion in foreign aid. Mine would uh, cut $10 billion a year with an exemption for Israel, and this would be a way that if you really do believe this is uh, the way to combat China, that it actually would be a bill that is paid for. This is in recognition that our deficit last year was $4 trillion. This year will be over $3 trillion, and we have an institutional deficit every year of about a trillion just from ongoing mandatory spending. So I think the responsible thing to do here is to vote for some sort of pay for, and that's what this is intended as. And I'd like a recorded vote, please. The gentleman asked for a recorded vote. Uh, other members? Senator Risch. Yeah, Mr. Chairman, I, first of all, I don't disagree with those outrageous uh, examples that uh, Senator Paul has given. Uh, certainly, we need a whole lot more oversight into those kinds of things. But um, we're, we're getting a little confused here. The, the Endless Frontiers Act, which is uh, Senator uh, Schumer and Senator Young's bill, deals with the National, National Science Foundation. Uh, that is not included in this bill. What, what this, as I understand what uh, Senator Paul is doing with this bill, is taking $10 billion out of the uh, assistance budget that was in the 2021 budget that we've already passed and is in place uh, and is using that to, uh, I, I guess, cover spending by the National Science Foundation. But I, I want to be perfectly clear that this, this uh, bill in no way will fund any of those kind of uh, uh, outrageous uh, things that, uh, that, that's been done in the past. And I, I certainly wouldn't support it if it did. So I, I'm going to be opposing uh, this uh, particular amendment. Thank you. Uh, any other members? Uh, this is an amendment that, if enacted, I think would have some serious consequences in terms of $10 billion a cut in uh, foreign affairs spending. I appreciate the examples that the, the senator has raised. I do believe there has to be more vigorous oversight in the collective spending that we have, but to target the foreign affairs budget, which is already, I think, woefully underfunded, uh, is, is, is something I cannot support. Is there any other member seeking recognition? If not, the senator has asked for a roll call vote. The clerk will call the roll. Mr. Cardin, no. Mrs. Shaheen? No. Mr. Coons? No. Mr. Yes. Mr. Young? No. Mr. Barrasso? No. Mr. Cruz? Aye. Mr. Rounds? No. Mr. Hagri? No. Mr. Chairman? Nope. Clerk will report. Mr. Chairman, the A's are two, the nays are 20. And the amendment is not agreed to. Uh, Senator Kane? Uh, is next if the senator has an amendment or wishes to speak at this time. I do not have amendments to call out my Thank you. Uh, then we will move down uh, the aisle to Senator 
Barrasso. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I would like to uh, call up Amendment Number Five. The uh, and uh, like to describe the amendment. The amendment is called up, and the senator is recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Pre uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, this amendment is going. And thank to you for the promotion. You're well, well deserved. <laughs> uh, my amendment is going to strike the uh, rushed authorization of the largest capital increase in the history of the Inter-American Development Bank. Uh, the amendment instead requires the Department of Treasury to report to Congress with the critical information needed to make an informed decision and a clear-eyed assessment of the issue that is before us. Since the bank was established in 1959, the Inter-American Development Bank has completed a total of nine capital increases. Each time, there was a thorough and orderly process that was followed. Yet, this bill authorizes the U.S. Governor of the Bank to vote in favor of some unknown resolution for the 10th capital increase, and that'll be worth $80 billion. There's no data, analysis, or information available on the 10th capital increase since the 1950s. The reason that there is no data or analysis or information available is because there still has been no negotiations or strategic planning that's ever been discussed at the bank yet as to what would be involved in this. So when my office talked to the Department of Treasury this week, we were informed it was the United States position that right now it's too early to talk about a capital increase. To this point, the Board of Governors just started gathering information only about a month ago. In March of this year, the Board of Governors of the bank approved a resolution authorizing the beginning of the analysis work required to consider whether they even needed a capital increase. So we're still at the very beginning of the process. First step is to analyze the regional needs, assess the adequacy then of the bank's current capital, and identify any potential reforms needed. Uh, the work is expected to be completed in the fall. So then countries will review the information and determine whether the bank needs additional funds, how they would best be used, and then to share the allocations. At that point, that's when the negotiation process would start, which can take about a year. But that's not the process being pursued by this bill. We are being asked to authorize a resolution when there are still so many unanswered questions. What are the specific capital needs of the bank? No data provided. How will the bank use the resources? No information available. What are the reform priorities that will be part of the package? Nothing's been discussed. How will the U.S. contributions be leveraged to get other donors to increase their support? No plans are provided. How will shares be distributed and allocated to which nations? No answers available. What role does the U.S. want the bank to play in the region in comparison to USAID? in comparison to the Development Finance Corporation, in comparison to the World Bank, in comparison to the International Monetary Fund, absolutely no strategy is created or outlined. The U.S. Congress has never, ever authorized or appropriated a capital increase before the formal completion of a full review and negotiation by the bank. So I don't think this is good governance. It's not proper oversight. I understand there's an interest to respond to China's lending in Latin America. Understand it completely. We have seen terrible impact of China's predatory lending. But Congress shouldn't blindly authorize taxpayer funding without doing the due diligence work needed to make this kind of decision. 
So this amendment commits Treasury to begin the traditional process for reviewing the capital increase. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator. Let me respond to uh, this particular amendment. Clearly, over the last 15 years, China has aggressively expanded its sovereign lending in Latin America and the Caribbean, leaving many countries facing challenging levels of debt. China's pervasiveness in the hemisphere is beyond uh, one's imagination. Uh, Within our own uh, sphere and neighbors, uh, they are challenging us dramatically. Their predatory economic diplomacy is a challenge to U.S. national interests and one that demands a response. Uh, We're talking about economic growth and stability with our neighbors. The IDB is our hemisphere's preeminent multilateral development bank and one of the greatest tools we have to push back against the PRC's economic practices. They have been trying to muscle in also at the IDB. By authorizing a capital increase, we can counter Chinese lending and position the IDB to address the region's crises. As Latin America and the Caribbean suffered the highest levels of COVID-19 cases and related deaths in the world, the GDP contracted by 7.4% and 44 million Latin Americans and Caribbeans fell into poverty. In November of 2020, major hurricanes struck Central America, inflicting severe devastation on the region, displacing tens of thousands and driving new waves of immigration towards the United States. By authorizing a 10th general capital increase, we can position the IDB to support countries facing challenges from Chinese debt, help the region rebuild after the COVID crisis, and support countries suffering from natural disasters. We have a 30% stake in the IDB. It's time for us to lead. In March, the Biden administration joined IDB governors and voted for a capital review, the first step towards such an increase. This provision provides the president with all the flexibility he needs to negotiate and ensures that he has the authorization he needs for the 10th capital increase. That review is already underway. I don't believe we need a report to be proposed, as this amendment does, when we have the ability to be briefed by the administration, hear from the IDB directly, and ultimately have further review by the Appropriations uh, Committee. This language was shared with the administration, and they expressed no objection nor requested uh, any edits. So for those reasons, I'll be opposing the the senator's amendment. Is there any other member seeking recognition? Mr. Chairman, I'm likewise going to oppose this. Uh, I generally support Senator Brasso's philosophy and uh, and I'm generally there. But this this is something that uh, really deserves our attention. Look, the the IDB has not had an increase uh, since March of 2010. This is the first increase in 10 years. And, And I think we all wring our hands over the uh, money that the Chinese are spending in our hemisphere. This is our opportunity to do something about it. Uh, this uh, increase in IDB's uh, resources shows that we are prepared to act and are acting uh, to counter the Chinese uh, efforts to secure a foothold in this hem- hemisphere. So for that reason uh, and, and the reasons I think articulated by the chairman about uh, what's happening in our own hemisphere, uh, I'm going to oppose this uh, amendment. Any other senators seeking recognition? Senator Rubio? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Actually, this is an important amendment because I think it touches on the broader topic everyone's been talking about today. This whole issue of China is really going to challenge us to rethink orthodoxy in a number of fronts. Uh, 
and, and in the issue of uh, investment in particular. Let me first begin by saying there really is no such thing as a Chinese corporation. I think at least as far as it being an equivalent to an American corporation, every single one of these are national champions allowed to succeed by a repressive regime that also subsidizes them, that sends them abroad to undercut the competition in order to dominate market share. There's also no such thing as Chinese foreign aid, at least from the Chinese Communist Party. They don't come in and help a country because they want the country to be more stable and become a democracy or even an ally. They use it as leverage. They use it as an opportunity to send their workers to these countries, as you've seen in these projects, but they also use it as an opportunity to create leverage, diplomatic leverage. <coughs> they use lending as a way to force you to vote with them in international forums. Uh, they, they take uh, commodities, natural resources, port and, and rights, and all sorts of the things as leverage and, and as, um, as collateral in order to be repaid. And we've left these countries incredibly vulnerable. I guess my point being is I believe in the free market as, everybody, as much as anyone in this, in this place. But when it comes to China, we're not competing in a free market competition. This is mercantilism. This is a state-sponsored, state-directed effort to use money to gain geopolitical advantage, including in our own hemisphere. It's one of the reasons why I thought it was very important that for the first time ever in 2020, an American was elected as the IDB's president. And elected, by the way, on a platform of transparency. Where's the money going? How's it being invested? And calibrating China. And I think it represents a unique opportunity to strengthen our footprint in the hemisphere in which we live in and have to operate. And, um, and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a winner all the way around because this is what allows us to get into the game of creating opportunities to basic front-end investment to leverage the private sector to become more involved. We, are, we have left countries all over the planet vulnerable to this, but we have particularly done so in the Western Hemisphere, without, almost without exception. Every leader of a country in the Western Hemisphere would prefer to do trade, commerce, and, and investment with the United States, but it's, it's not happening. It's not forthcoming, and these, the, as a result, they, they are forced to turn uh, to these mechanisms that the Chinese Communist Party is putting out there. And I just fear that we're going to come back in 10 or 15 years and realize that we have been encircled uh, through a combination of things. My last point is look at what's happened with Panama. The Panama Canal today, the Chinese control major operations in the ports there, in fact, on both sides of the port heading east and west. Uh, they're not there out of charity. They're probably not even making money on it. It is because it provides them the opportunity in the future to have at least rotational naval visits but also an opportunity to create havoc as a choke point in case of a conflict. And that's just one small-scale example among many. You know, they, they, they were on the verge of acquiring fishing rights just off the coast of Florida and the Bahamas. Uh, we saw recently what happened with Paraguay's inability to acquire vaccines and how it almost, I believe, was going to change its diplomatic recognition of Taiwan. So we could go on and on for hours. I, I, uh, I understand the intent behind this, and, and I think generally we're all in favor of not doing things that spend money in ways that shouldn't be spent. But I think we should be very careful about um, sending out signals or doing anything that harms our ability to rethink how we approach this very unique challenge that's historic in scope and is going to define the 21st century. Any other members? Senator Barrasso. Uh, th thank you very much. Just briefly, I, I think we can rethink how we, how we look at things, uh, as the senators have talked about, but we, we shouldn't rethink oversight. And I agree with what you said a little earlier during the discussion of Senator Paul's amendment, Mr. Chairman, when you agreed that more vigorous oversight of collective spending continues to be necessary. Uh, I agree with 
uh, with everyone who wants to do everything we can to provide alternatives to Chinese lending. But, you know, even in this bill, a provision to counter China through international financial institutions only allows for low-carbon projects. You take a look at the, <coughs> bel the, the Belt and Road Initiative. It's all about coal-fired power plants. That's what they're doing around the world with their predatory lending by China. Currently, uh, China is providing seven of ten global uh, coal pl production plants right now that they've either permitted or are under construction. So for countries that want low-cost electricity, we're already writing them off because of what's in this uh, with our efforts to allow only low-carbon projects. So, you know, I think that is pushing countries into predatory lending with China rather than coming to look for us for help in their energy needs as well. So I would like a recorded vote, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Seeing no other member seeking recognition, the senator asks for a recorded vote. The clerk will call the roll. Mr. Cardin? No. Mr. Coons? I want to keep going for a while, at least. Okay. Booker? No. Yes. Mr. Young? Aye. I'm by proxy. Mr. Barrasso? Aye. Mr. Cruz? Aye. Mr. Rounds? Aye. Mr. Haggerty? Mr. Chairman? Nope. Mr. Chairman, the yeas are seven, the nays are 15. And the amendment uh, fails. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I also would ask that I could please be recorded as a no on the Murphy amendment that was previously uh, voted upon. Senator will record it as such. Uh, let me turn uh, to Senator Markey. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, very much. Thank you for this hearing. Thank you to, to your staff, Senator Risch, um, for your incredible leadership on this issue. Um, we're clearly at a defining moment, and uh, China has a plan. They're executing their plan. The United States will win, but you need a plan to win can't win without a plan. And you have to understand the plan as well. You have to be able to explain the plan to the American people. The Chinese people actually understand the plan that their country has. This is pretty simple. Our country uh, has to do the same thing now. We have to lay out what we're going to do to deal with these multiple threats from the Chinese. And we're not going to win by being like the Chinese. We're going to win by being more like ourselves by being a better form of ourselves. And we express our own values, our own American culture uh, in a way that expresses the best values of our country. That's our moment. That's what this committee begins here today to express. And there are other places in this Congress that the same thing is happening, but there's a lot more work to do to be more like ourselves. Uh, we've waited too long, but we can still catch up and then exceed anything that the Chinese may have planned. Back uh, a few years ago, Senator Gardner and I uh, joined forces to adopt a strategy for U.S. engagement in the most consequential region, uh, and that was something called the Asia Reassurance Initiative, signed into law in 2018, uh, dedicating $7.5 
billion dollars over five years to cement the United States uh, status as a Pacific power in the 21st century. And it does that by helping our partners in the region defend a free and open Indo-Pacific and defend human rights that are increasingly under assault. Towards that end, I'm pleased that the Strategic Competition Act, through the Manager's Amendment, authorizes the Asia Reassurance Initiative Act for an additional three years and adds $500 million more per year um, in resources so that we can help to meet those challenges by giving all of our, uh, of our uh, federal agencies uh, the tools they need, the additional tools they need to be able to play in these countries uh, in the Indo-Pacific region. I also want to thank you, Mr. Chairman, for um, everything that you did to help uh, Senator Rubio and I with the Taiwan Fellowship Act, which is in uh, additional funding for Radio Free Asia, uh, and for the language which is included to deal with the, the fentanyl uh, issue. Uh, I thank you for that. Uh, we know that China is still a major source of the flow of fentanyl precursors uh, into our country, and this will work to establish drug enforcement agency offices in two of China's biggest exporting um, cities. Uh, we're losing hundreds of thousands of Americans to fentanyl, hundreds of thousands uh, uh, over the course of a decade. Uh, and it's, it's important for us to focus upon that issue as well. Um, and the amendment which I'm calling up right now is marking number three, calling on the State and Defense Department to jointly develop a climate resilient strategy for the Indo-Pacific. Uh, we know that our own Defense uh, Department says that climate change is a threat multiplier. A continued shift in weather patterns and rising sea levels will lead to growing food insecurity and larger storms, increasing the humanitarian response burden for our armed services, for our allies, and for our partners. This amendment would take a step to acknowledge that climate security is inextricably linked to our national security by reaffirming our commitment to working with our partners and allies in the Indo-Pacific on climate resiliency and adaptation efforts. And the amendment also calls on the United States government to develop an interagency climate resiliency strategy for the Indo-Pacific so that we can ensure that our own military bases our troops, our partners, our allies are prepared to deal with climate-related uh, challenges in the years ahead. We see it already in Virginia. Uh, Senator Kane is an expert what's happening in Virginia, but it's happening all around the world. Who tells us we should do this? Our admirals and our generals. They're telling us what is happening to them. They're telling us it's a threat multiplier. I, um, I urge um, support for my amendment. Thank you very much. Um, let me just say that uh, I appreciate uh, your leadership uh, in this regard. You and Senator Rubio on the subcommittee have done some excellent work together. Much of it, as you've noted, is in uh, the underlying legislation already. Uh, Markey 3 simply adds additional findings on the very real and present vulnerabilities that Indo-Pacific nations face from changes in the global climate. Uh, it bolsters the sense of Congress that's already in the bill on U.S. commitments to our partners and allies. Uh, and uh, I urge my colleagues to vote yes on the Markey Amendment. Senator Risch. Well, I'm going to be opposing this. Uh, again, the 
The, the climate provisions uh, are certainly uh, covered in the bill, and they were negotiated back and forth. I think we got the right balance already in the bill, uh, but uh, in any event, I'm going to vote no on it. Uh, thank you. Any other members seeking recognition? If not, uh, the vote is on Markey uh, Amendment 3. All those in favor will say aye. 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 All those opposed will say no. No. The ayes have it, and the amendment is agreed to. Uh, with that, I recognize uh, Senator Cruz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I want to thank both the chairman and ranking member for your hard work uh, pulling this bill together and for the cooperative manner in which it has gone forward. There are a number of very good provisions that are included in this bill, uh, a number of different pieces of legislation I've introduced that have been incorporated. The underlying bill uh, includes language uh, from the SHAME Act, uh, which I had introduced, which imposes sanctions on Chinese officials for rape, for forced abortions, for forced sterilization. Uh, in addition to that, there were four of my amendments in the manager's package that this committee just adopted. Uh, the Taiwan SOS uh, b bill letting Taiwan display their symbols of sovereignty. That is an important reaffirmation of our strong support for Taiwan. In addition to that, the Secure IP Act, which provides for a list of the corporate officers of companies stealing U.S. intellectual properties. Uh, in addition to that, an explicit finding, uh, a genocide finding uh, that explicitly acknowledges the genocide targeted at the Uyghurs. And, uh, and finally, a, a uh, an amendment that requires a report on the effect that, that potentially re-entering the JCPOA would have on Iran-China cooperation. I think all of those were significant positive improvements, and I want to thank the chairman and ranking member for working with me and my staff to include them. Uh, I don't have an amendment, an additional amendment at this point to call up. I thank the senator for his work, and the, which has been incorporated, and uh, thank him for allowing us to proceed. Uh, senator Merkley. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, and thank you uh, to you and to uh, Senator Risch for working to incorporate so many amendments that, that I and colleagues have produced, including uh, nine of my amendments, three of which address Taiwan, which I think is very important in our efforts to support democracy around the world. I do want to call up today uh, Merkley number three, which addresses the China Censorship Monitor and Action Group. And if, if this gets into the main bill, uh, Mr. Chairman, it would be my inclination to drop the markup on the standalone bill. But I think this is the right content to be included in the broader bill, since that is the, the place where the likely go to the floor. And I want to thank uh, Corey Gardner, who worked on this with me last time, and for Marco Rubio for his partnership this time around. Uh, we have all seen the stories of uh, China exercising influence on U.S. companies in all kinds of ways, from basketball to film to hotels, uh, in regard to their expression of opinion about China's activities in the world. What this amendment does, and what the broader bill does, is it sets up an action group uh, that will take 
and have an interagency process to monitor all of this Chinese influence on U.S. freedom of speech, particularly in the corporate uh, sector. And then it requires an extensive report to be delivered back to us uh, within a year uh, to detail uh, the the activities and a strategy for how we should be responding. And it sets up this working group and sunsets it after five years. We can decide then if it needs to be taken forward. Uh, that, is, that is the amendment, and um, it incorporates essentially the content of S-413. Uh, thank you, Senator Merkley. Uh, I, I support... Uh, this, this actually was, the, in essence, is the subject of the freestanding bill that we had prepared for uh, uh, today's markup, and I understand your desire to, in essence, take that and include it in this legislation. Yes. Okay. Senator Rubio, who's worked on this for Senator Mark. Yeah, and I appreciate it coming forward and being moved on this way, and I look forward. I think we're going to learn even more about the outrages. We're already being censored. You can't produce a film in Hollywood today. No major motion picture in Hollywood today can have a angle to it that the Chinese Communist Party doesn't like because it won't be distributed in China and they want to make the money over there. And we've got plenty of corporations who have make millions, if not billions of dollars with access to the Chinese market. The price of that access and making that billions of dollars is to say nothing about the horrifying abuses. We have major corporations that are coming into this very building and lobbying against everything from uh, bills dealing with the forced labor of, of Uyghur Muslims to... Um, you know anything that, that could undermine their ability to have, make money in China. So, um, but, but I think Americans are going to be startled to learn about how much of the content that they have access to in this country is tailored to meet the censorship standards of the Chinese Communist Party who have leveraged the commercial value of that marketplace to, to, to inflict those uh, conditions on Americans. And so uh, I look forward to the results of the study because I think it will be enlightening. Any other uh, comments on this amendment? Mr. Chairman. Uh, uh, I think the Senator wants to offer an amendment, if I'm not mistaken. So before we get to that, is there any other comments? If not, I recognize uh, Senator Cruz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, as the Chairman is aware, this particular amendment has been a subject of considerable discussion and negotiation. Uh, I'd hope that Senator Merkley and I could, could reach common ground on this amendment. Um, this amendment has similarities to an amendment and a, and a bill that I've introduced and, and advocated for repeatedly called the Script Act that is focused on the persistent pattern of censorship uh, coming out of Hollywood. That as America produces movies, American movie producers have demonstrated a repeated willingness to censor uh, our movies to please the Communist Party in China and the censors coming out of China. Uh, and Working with Senator Merkley, I agreed in, in my amendment to add uh, his language focusing on uh, focusing on social media, education, travel, financial services, manufacturing, technology, telecommunication, Internet infrastructure, expanding the scope beyond just Hollywood. So I added the language that Senator Merkley uh, proposed. Uh, but, but nonetheless, we did not reach common ground, and so the difference between what I've introduced and what Senator Merkley's introduced is twofold. Uh, number one, my, my amendment explicitly 
addresses the political censorship. And the political censorship from the Chinese Communist Party is particularly sensitive. It is their focus. My amendment defines political content and the political censorship as content that is considered sensitive by the Chinese Communist Party or the government of the People's Republic of China for political reasons, including issues related to human rights, freedom of expression, Taiwan, Tibet, Hong Kong, and the Tiananmen Square massacre. Also uh, concerning the repression of the Uyghurs, the Falun Gong, and other religious and spiritual minorities, and the ongoing genocide of the Uyghurs, including through coercive birth prevention policies in Uyghur concentrated areas, such as forced abortions, involuntary sterilizations, and the involuntary implantation of contraceptives. Senator Merkley's language deletes all of that. Um, I think it's a mistake to delete all of that. That is clearly a central concern for the Chinese Communist Party, and I think it's important that we focus the study in particular on their political censorship. Uh, The other thing that Senator Merkley's version deletes is the explicit focus on Hollywood, on films and television, and producing a list in particular of any any United States company that has altered the content of a film in response to or in anticipation of a request from the Chinese Communist Party. And I think it is important in particular to provide the transparency what movies are being censored, what American movies are being censored, and and Senator Merkley's uh, amendment deletes that provision and instead lumps film in with everything else. Uh, I think we have a unique and serious problem with Hollywood being all too willing and even eager to play the role of censor for the Chinese Communist Party. And so, accordingly, I call up uh, my second-degree amendment, uh, Cruz 1, which is a second-degree amendment to Merkley 3. And and what the second-degree amendment does is simply goes back to the original language that includes focus on political issues, includes Tibet, includes uh, the Falun Gong, includes the Uyghurs, includes the horrific human rights uh, focus, and it also specifically calls for developing... Uh, a public list and public reporting of what U.S. film companies are editing what movies uh, at the request of the Chinese Communist Party. And, and so I uh, would ask, ask for a vote on the, on the Cruz uh, Second Amendment. Mr. Chairman. Who's Senator Merck. Uh, thank you. Uh, let me point out uh, several things. Uh, the list that my colleague refers to on political content is under a definition of political content which was required because he uses the term political content in his later in his amendment. So it's a definitional uh, presentation, not instruction for the report. Then that doesn't appear in our basic amendment because we don't use the term political comment. And then the second is what we have done in this is said we want to focus the attention on what the Chinese government is doing. So we want it to be comprehensive. And we list out all of the areas where freedom of expression is being impacted. Media, social media, film, education, travel, financial services, sports, entertainment, technology, telecommunications, internet infrastructure. Now, we ask for the report to include illustrative examples. Explain to us exactly what is being done by the Chinese. And that's to get to the, the sort of point that, that I certainly share, is we need to understand exactly what they're doing. Now, I think all of you have seen 
from various press reports that some of our hotels have changed their activities. And I'd be happy to give some examples of that. A uh, group of our airlines have changed their activities, and we can give examples. Some of our famous retailers have changed the expressions they have on their products. I'd be happy to give examples. The NBA has changed its conduct, and I'd be happy to, to give share. The point here is this is about analyzing what China is doing across all of these categories, not to pick a particular category, film, and make it essentially what appears to be a direct effort to criticize the American film industry. We want the, the focus to be on what China is doing. If we were to have the same detail, we should have it, or if we were approaching it to say, let's single out just film and give these examples, well, why not how our universities have responded? Why not how our airlines have responded? Why not have our hotels? It's just, rather than being an attack on Hollywood, this is an analysis of what China's doing in all these sectors with an instruction for them to provide the examples of what's going on. So there will be the examples happening in all of these sectors. But I don't want to convert this bill in simply an attack on Hollywood. I'd invite Senator Cruz to introduce his own amendment separate to be considered if he wants to focus in that detail in that fashion. Mr. Chairman. Uh, Senator Cruz. Uh, if I could respond to that, um, as I mentioned, I agreed with Senator Merkley to expand the scope of it. I agree that, that, that China is imposing restrictions on a host of areas, whether the NBA or otherwise. And so I think that was a, a positive suggestion from Senator Merkley that I, that I agreed to. Um, I do think we have a unique problem with Hollywood and Hollywood playing the role of censors. Uh, Senator Merkley asked, well, well, how are airlines or hotels different? Well, they're different because they're not content providers. Censorship is not the same sort of threat with an airline or hotel. There are certainly airlines and hotels that accede to pressure from communist China. But when it comes to censorship of creative output, uh, that is something Hollywood is directly responsible for. And the principal difference between Senator Merkley's version and my version is whether or not we would produce a list of what movies are being censored as a result of pressure from communist China. It doesn't impose any penalties. It simply has transparency. Do, do the American people have a right to know what movies uh, are being censored? We know, for example, that Top Gun 2, that they removed the patches from the back of Maverick's jacket because you, you had Taiwan and Japan there, the Communist Party of China, didn't like Taiwan and Japan on the back of Maverick's jacket. And so Hollywood is telling America now Maverick, probably the greatest Navy recruiting film ever produced, uh, is scared of the Chinese communists and, and changed his jacket not to offend them. Uh, we know that Bohemian Rhapsody, a, a fabulous biopic of Freddie Mercury, uh, they edited out scenes of homosexual sex because the Chinese apparently were offended by them. I don't know how anyone tells the story of Freddie Mercury without acknowledging that he was gay. And yet Hollywood, those, those great... Uh, Social justice warriors happily edited those scenes out to appease the Chinese communist censors. And so the question on this vote is, do we want a list so the American people can see what films are being censored at the request of the Chinese, or do we want to effectively help cover up for, for Hollywood and hide that list so the American people don't know? I, I, I think the answer should be in favor of transparency. 
Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chair. uh, let me, uh, if I can, Senator Merkley, there, there may be other members who want to be recognized. Senator Cardin, I'll come back to you as well. And Senator Cardin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm, I'm trying to put the, 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 the amendment with Senator Merkley's proposal. If I understand Senator Cruz's explanation, the point that Senator Merkley raised is handled in the Cruz Amendment. You, you use the expanded list. So the only difference is whether we're going to name and shame whoever is altering the content. Is that the, is that the substance of the difference? The, the difference is my amendment requires a list of what movies have been censored. Senator Merkley's list. Movies or the entire list of Senator Merkley? It, it specifies movies, TV shows and movies, because that's been a persistent problem. Senator Merkley's does not require a list. It says you can give some examples, but it doesn't. It doesn't produce a comprehensive list of where the censorship is occurring. So the transparency is only on the movies. I'm Not more than happy to have a list on anything else as well, but the movies have been the persistent problem. Senator Merkley. And then I'd, uh, I'd like to, uh, I thank think we've you. had a robust debate. I'd like to move yeah. to a vote. Yeah. Uh, I really disagree with the characterization of my colleague. Uh, the whole point of this is to get transparency on, on what China is doing in all sectors and to treat them all effectively, comprehensively, extensive working group, um, produce the examples of exactly what's happening. My colleague has said, well, let's take one particular area that he wants to amplify. Uh, I think that what that does is create a sense that this is being converted from an examination of the offenses of China to an attack on a particular industry in Oregon, in, in the United States. All of these sectors are going to have transparency in terms of the hotel sector, the airline sector, the retail sector, because we're covering them all. And we're asking the commission to treat them all in exactly the same fashion, with the same aggressiveness, the same thoroughness, and rather than call out one for this particular list. That is, that is why I disagree with this. We need a comprehensive, equal treatment of all sectors. Mr. Thank, Chairman, thank, I ask for a recorded vote on, on my amendment. I, 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 the gentleman will get his recorded vote. Uh, I, um, I recognize the desire for transparency. I think the underlying amendment uh, of Senator Merkley does that as the whole bill, is, uh, as the entirety of his bill. Uh, I would just simply believe it is not fair or right to target the film industry, the only real industry singled out in this amendment, in terms of the type of reporting that is sought. I hope it is part of the greater reporting. Um, and uh, if there's no further debate, uh, I'll... Uh, call up uh, a vote on uh, the Cruz um, Cruz uh, second amend uh, uh, yeah for, okay uh, Cruz uh, the the Cruz amendment to the Merkley amendment I don't know if it's a first or second degree according to this uh, or, or the senator uh, accept a recorded I mean a voice vote or uh, the senator asked for a recorded vote the clerk will call the roll. No by proxy. 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 No. 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 No.
John Holland? No. Mr. Rush? Aye. Mr. Rubio? Aye. Mr. Johnson? Aye. Mr. Romney? Aye. Mr. Portman? Aye. Mr. Paul? Circle report. In a tied vote, the amendment does, does not succeed. The vote is now on uh, the Merkley Amendment. Uh, all those in favor will say aye. 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 All those opposed will say no. The ayes have it, and the amendment is agreed to. Now, for the uh, information of all members, of course, we have a vote going on on the floor. Because we've got a lot of work still to do, we're almost down uh, the, uh, both sides of the aisle for the first round of amendments. I'm going to continue uh, the process. I would urge members that have already offered uh, their amendments to, to cast their vote on the floor uh, and, uh, and then come back uh, uh, you know, as quickly as possible so that we can finish this important bill. Uh, with that, uh, let me turn to... Uh, Senator Rounds. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, my amendments have been included in the manager's package. I'd like to thank you and the ranking member and your staffs for the work. I yield back. Senator Rounds, with, with that expediency, we're going to include more of your amendments in the package in the future. So thank you very much. We appreciate your, your contribution to the effort. Let me turn to uh, Senator Schatz. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. How could I do that to my, my senior senator, my fellow New colleague and uh, friend from New Jersey, Senator Booker? Sorry. <laughs> thank you much. You're always much. so quiet that I just, you know. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, I just want to, again, I want to praise uh, the chairman and the ranking member and everyone who's been involved and the staffs for this extraordinary work. It's, it's really um, lifting me to be a part of this larger process and the urgency of our global competitiveness. Um, I'm going to not bring up Booker Amendment 3 for a vote, but I, I just want to spend a second or two uh, knowing that we're tight for time to speak on it. I, I want to thank Senator Young for joining our effort uh, and signing on as a co-sponsor. This amendment was previously introduced uh, in the last Congress, uh, uh, and this Congress by Senator Cornyn, myself, Senator Tillis, Senator Carper. It is a bipartisan effort that we have right now. And I just want to say that this is about preventing future pandemics. It is critical uh, that if we are going to reduce the risk of other global pandemics, uh, uh, like the one we're suffering now, that we have to act to deal with what is a long line of zoonotic epidemics, uh, SARS, M MERS, Ebola, HIV and AIDS, and other pathogens which have uh, tragically uh, been making uh, millions and millions of people sick and, and causing untold death and destruction. Um, and so this should be the lesson for, from COVID-19 is for us to act. And that means stopping deforestation, other habitat destruction. And it means a shutdown 
of global wildlife markets. Uh, scientists are telling us that this COVID, uh, that, uh, COVID pandemic, just like SARS, originated in a, live, uh, in a live wildlife market. Scientists are also telling us that for decades, these markets create a petri dish for viruses that spill over into humans. If wildlife markets are not shut down globally, and if the international trade in wildlife for human consumption is not ended, then the emergence of the next deadly pandemic is not a question of, of if, it's a question of when. And so this bipartisan amendment would take bold steps to address this problem. And again, fortunately, this amendment is something that is supported now uh, by groups like the Infectious Disease Society of America, the Consortium of Universities for Global Health, the American Society of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene, the Wildlife Conservation Society, along with 80 other groups who all believe that our amendment is critical to saving massive amounts of human life. So I was assured that we have a pathway to work on this uh, together. I am really hoping we can have some constructive conversation to get this over the finish line. It has bipartisan support, and I'm hoping that eventually on the floor it can be added. So thank you. Let me thank my colleague uh, very much. I appreciate his leadership on this. I know Senator Cornyn has also spoken to me uh, about it. And I look forward to working with you to trying uh, to get this uh, in order as we move to the floor. And uh, appreciate your leadership on it very strongly. Uh, I just want to note that we have lost a quorum. So what my intention was uh, to plow forward, uh, I cannot do because any amendment that would be taken up would not necessarily be considered being ruled appropriately. So if, for comments, I'm happy to recognize Senator Portman yeah. before I recess briefly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for your willingness and the ranking member's willingness to uh, look at this wildlife uh, markets issue. And Senator Booker, appreciate your willingness today to, uh, to pull back on the amendment and then work with us on a path forward, because I believe you're right, and there is one. And you know conservation groups are on both sides of this. Um, I think there's a way to do this. Uh, I've worked with Senator Coons on this, who co-chairs the International Conservation Caucus with me. Uh, we think there's a balanced approach to deal with the zoonotic issue you mentioned, which is the transmission from animals to humans. I know you and Senator Cornyn who worked on this, as well as Senator Graham. Um, I, I just think there's a way to do it in a much more targeted way, because some of these wildlife markets clearly are unsanitary and causing the problem. Um, others are not. Also, there's different kinds of wildlife that present uh, a challenge and others that, that do not. Uh, other markets that do not uh, have the unsanitary conditions and so on uh, do not have those risks, but also they do provide traditional protein to some of the poorest people in the world. And so we have to be careful, I think, how we approach it. Uh, so I look forward to working with you, uh, with the chair and ranking member and others, uh, and the stakeholders on the outside who are very interested in this issue to build on the progress we've made over the last few days and try to develop a targeted approach to combat this uh, risk of wildlife markets contributing to uh, zoonotic spillover. And I look forward to working with you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator. Now, uh, because we've lost a quorum, uh, what I will do is I will recess subject to the call of the chair. It's the chair's intention to go straight to vote, come immediately back, and restart the process uh, where the next person <clears throat> to be recognized is Senator Haggerty. With that, the committee stands in recess under to the call of the chair. Uh, the Senate Foreign Relations Business Meeting will come to order. I know the ranking member has just told me he will be in, so, in just a moment. Uh, I think uh, our next colleague who's up is Senator Haggerty. And I don't see him presently here. 
Uh, so we will turn uh, to Senator Schatz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Ranking Member, um, uh, and appreciate your uh, willingness to accommodate uh, several of my amendments relating to Oceania, um, uh, USAID, uh, the Peace Corps, um, uh, and establishing an Oceania uh, security dialogue and dealing with I IUU fishing. All of those are in the, uh, in the base text, and I appreciate it. I have no amendments to offer. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. Thank you for your contributions, and you've definitely, for purposes of this committee and this bill, put Oceania on the map, so we appreciate your uh, engagement. Um, so at this point, um, I will start a, a new round, since I don't have, I will recognize uh, members who may not have had their opportunity to offer an amendment uh, previously, and, uh, but at this point, uh, I will start over again. Uh, so uh, turning on the Republican side, Senator Risch, Senator Rubio. I would uh, like to call up my amendment number 16. Is that right? And uh, what this amendment would basically do is it, would, it wouldn't fundamentally alter U.S. policy towards Taiwan. It, what it would basically do is follow the lead of allies such as the British and the Japanese and change the title of, the, of our highest official in Taiwan to the title of representative from, from director, direct, from director of the American Institute in Taiwan to the title representative. Um, and, uh, and it would also give the Senate advice and consent counsel advice and consent role uh, in, in, with regards to who that individual is. Um, the, uh, the, 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 you know, the lack of Senate confirmation on this position, I think, is out of step with a general trend of affording greater respect to Taiwan's democracy and placing a higher priority on strengthening our relationship with Taiwan. And I also don't think that we should be kept from doing this uh, by an authoritarian regime uh, and its bullying tactics. So... Uh, following the lead of our British and Japanese allies, that, that's that's what this amendment would do. Thank the senator. Is anyone else seeking recognition? Um, let me commend my colleague for offering this amendment. I agree with him about the importance of elevating the director of the Taipei Office of the American Institute in Taiwan. However, the way the law is currently written, the director is not technically a United States government employee. And while the uh, American Institute in Taiwan is our de facto embassy in Taiwan, it is officially a nonprofit, and the director is a private citizen. So while I agree with the sentiments expressed by the amendment, it's on that basis that I will oppose it and urge my colleagues to do likewise. Mr. Chairman, if I could just to point of clarity, my understanding is that the director is a U.S. government employee. I don't know if we can get some clarity on that. Uh, certainly the government the U.S. taxpayer is funding um, that, that directorate role. To the extent that it is a nonprofit and the director is uh, the head of the nonprofit, it, it is not an official government position, as I understand it, an official government employee. Anyone else wishing to speak to the amendment? Uh, with that, Senator willing to take a voice vote or wants a recorded vote? Well, I'd like a recorded vote on this one. Okay. The senator has asked for a recorded vote. The clerk will call the roll. Mr. Carden? No. Mrs. Shaheen? No. Mr. Coons? No. Mr. Murphy? No by proxy. No by proxy. Mr. Kane? 
Kowalski? No, by proxy. No, by proxy. Mr. Merkley? Aye. Mr. Booker? No, by proxy. No, by proxy. And the amendment fails. Uh, let me recognize Senator Van Hollen, who's returned with us, and this will be his first chance. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Let me start by thanking you and the ranking member uh, for bringing us together. I think this is a very important bipartisan effort to tackle our largest strategic challenge um, in the world, uh, which is China, which is I see as taking a two-pronged approach. They've been very clear in their 2025 plan. Uh, that they want to be dominant in cutting-edge technologies uh, around the world. Uh, and I think it's important uh, that we step up our game, which is why I support uh, the bipartisan Endless Frontier part of this proposal put forward by Senator Young uh, and others. Uh, and then, of course, uh, they want to use that economic muscle uh, to enter into what, as Senator Rubio described, a, a mercantilist strategy overseas combined with Belt and Roads um, not just to strengthen themselves economically, but to export their uh, model of authoritarian uh, rule. So I think this is a really important effort, and I think we need to also uh, expand our toolbox uh, here in terms of response, which is why I supported Senator Shaheen's amendment and others, and believe we need to substantially boost uh, our efforts um, in this overall area. Uh, I want to thank you and the ranking member for including uh, two amendments I proposed as part of the manager's package. Uh, one does involve the, the Development Finance Corporation, which I think is a very important innovation, supported the amendment to increase the authorization to $100 billion. But it needs direction in a number of areas, and one is in the digital space. Uh, we've seen what's happened, not just with our you know, European allies who have been tempted to take on 5G, but in Africa and other places around the world, Huawei is dominant. They have 70% of the 4G market in Africa right now. And so uh, one of the amendments adopted would, would call for a better digital strategy with respect to the Development Finance Corporation. Uh, the other is based on a, a, a bill I introduced with Senator Sullivan to identify all the areas, and there are many, as we know, of lack of reciprocity um, in how China deals with everything from U.S. diplomats uh, and travel uh, to how they deal with press and media, to how they deal with uh, American uh, businesses, um, identifying those areas and recommending a strategy for how we, how we deal with that. Uh, there are two amendments uh, I propose that I won't offer because they also fall, as I understand, within the Banking and Housing Committee jurisdiction, but I will be pursuing them. Uh, one has to do with the Brink Act, uh, a bill uh, I teamed up with Senator Toomey a number of years ago to pass uh, secondary sanctions on North Korea. Uh, we know from U.N. reports uh, that there is some leakage in that sanctions regime, especially from banks based in China, um, and we really want to press this administration 
as we did the last administration on that. Uh, the other relates to reports of China working in Saudi Arabia on uranium ore development, just wanting to make sure that we don't see China supporting uranium enrichment activities in Saudi Arabia going forward, um, given all the nonproliferation uh, issues. Uh, so those are amendments I'll pursue separately. Um, I do just want to say a word about this blue slip issue because I think many of us in, encountered it over the years. And I would say, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member, beyond this particular bill, it's my view that the House has taken an incredibly expansive interpretation of the blue slip power. And this is true of both Democrats and Republicans in the House. Um, so I think beyond this bill, we should have a larger discussion. Many of us have had bills that have been tripped up on that issue. Um, I understand the, the blue slip power, and I, I respect it, but the House is trying to, you know, put a drive through a big hole uh, there, and they use it uh, to enhance their, their leverage on both sides of uh, the aisle. So I hope we'll have that uh, broader conversation with them beyond this particular uh, bill. I, many, we've encountered it in many places. And finally, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member, I'd like to be added as a co-sponsor of the bill. Without objection, the Senator will be added. Appreciate your contributions to the bill. Look forward to supporting you in the Banking Committee uh, as a fellow member on, on the amendments that you offered. And um, I agree, and I look forward to engaging the ranking member with our respective leadership about uh, what is the scope of the blue slip. Um, as former House members, uh, some of us, I, I understand the nature of the blue slip, and I, too, respect it. But we just don't want it to be uh, an overwieldy process. So. Uh, We'll try to see if there are ways to narrow that. Thank you. Um, the, so in order to uh, save time, I could just go down the aisle, but if, if I know that there is a member on either side that is looking for an amendment, I could call. So Senator Johnson, do you have one? Uh, Senator Markey? Uh, Senator Paul. And then I'll turn to Senator Cardin. Senator, Senator Paul. Uh, this would be amendment number three about basic research. As I mentioned in my opening with the First Amendment about the National Science Foundation, it is a perpetual source of waste in government. But waste in research is not limited to the National Science Foundation. NIH, DOE, DOD all have funded wasteful projects. What is more troubling is that we don't have uniform standards about how research grants are approved. At NSF, an applicant can actually request which peers will review their application. So basically, one guy could say, hey, I'd like one of my peers to be that guy who studied Japanese quail on cocaine. That's the guy I want on my, on my review committee. And he could say, well, maybe I'd like the woman who studied the mating call of the Panamanian frog. I think should be a good vote on my committee. The people asking for the money are choosing their peers. This is why it doesn't get better decade after decade. Nobody does anything. We won't even authorize. We haven't authorized this in a decade. So we really should reform how grants are given out so we have some ability to try to get something better done here. Even more troubling than, re than creating your own reviewers is the idea that after a grant is issued, they can be subgranted to others without any transparency. This is how we found the Neil Armstrong. 700 grand was going to autism. 
Most of us, even me, might acknowledge the government could have a role in studying autism. But the money went to study Neil Armstrong's statement on the moon, one small step for man or one small step for mankind. That was subgranted. It wasn't even what the original thing was supposed to be to go for autism. So this needs to be reformed. It's never reformed. Decade after decade after decade, we didn't even bother to authorize the National Science Foundation. My amendment seeks to make a uniform process across government, one that includes objective reviewers assessing a grant's merit coming from competing scientific disciplines. So if you want to study Japanese quail on cocaine, maybe there ought to be a diabetic researcher on the committee or a breast cancer researcher or one of the bigger diseases that where people would probably more acknowledge money should go instead of having four people who are doing bizarre behavioral research like yours approving your research. We also should have a, tax, a taxpayer watchdog on each of these committees. I think we also need more downstream reporting on what's going on and more control of subcontracting. Um, this is a, a bill that I think would be a great uh, reform, not only for um, you know what's going on with doubling the size of the National Science Foundation, but I think if you're going to do it without reform, it's a real disservice to the money we are spending, and I'd urge yes vote. Uh, I understand the senator has concerns about the efficient use of taxpayer dollars, and I commend him for his work to make spending more responsible. However, I'm compelled to rule this amendment out of order for jurisdictional reasons. The amendment is clearly in the jurisdiction of the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee. It raises significant concerns about the impact on federally supported research and should be considered by the Committee of Jurisdiction. Therefore, I rule the amendment out of order. Mr. Chairman. Um, I guess earlier in the proceedings, we had a question of jurisdictional uh, who was in charge, which committee should be in charge of the jurisdiction of Mr. Rubio's, and we went ahead and voted on it anyway, right? Uh, I, uh, for me, that was the blue slip issue. Uh, I mentioned the other, but the blue slip issue was the uh, compelling reason why uh, I, uh, I objected to it and, and led a vote because it was on blue slip, not out of jurisdiction. Blue the blue slip has nothing to do with jurisdiction? No, blue slip has everything to do with the provision that suggests that the, it is the Congress and the House of Representatives where anything that has to deal with originating uh, or affecting revenue starts there. And All so right. that's, that's, that's why I... All right. Okay. I thank the senator. Um, senator Cardin. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, first, uh, I'm going to call up an amendment that we've been able to clear through the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, on global Magnitsky, but I just really want to reinforce the, Senator Van Hollen's point, and Senator Rubio's point, Senator Risch's point, and the Chairman's point uh, in regards to blue slip issues. Uh, there has to be a way that we can express ourselves as a committee and not just accept carte blanche the interpretation by the um, Ways and Means Committee in the House of Representatives. Uh, in the meantime, we were able to clear the global Magnitsky Amendment as modified. Uh, which will uh, just remove the sunset, but not the other provisions that we wanted to include in the global Magnitsky. So uh, I will uh, ask consent to call up my amendment number two and uh, modify it by eliminating everything from page one, line 12, through page three, line 33, which will leave in the amendment only the removal of the sunset provisions, which has been cleared as not violating the uh, blue slip issues. Uh, and if I get that consent, I would just, before we vote, I'd like to make one additional comment. Is, is there objection? Without objection, the amendment is in order. 
I would then like to point out that the amendment, I, excuse, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Senator, the amendment as revised is in order. I, I just really want to underscore I'm not going to give up on the other provisions uh, because I do believe we should have the ability to modify the global Magnitsky within our jurisdiction. It does not fall within the uh, blue slip issues. And by the way, it basically conforms to what is in the executive order. So it, it puts the executive and legislative branches together uh, on the global Magnitsky. But at this point, at least, we have the provisions in our bill. It gives us the opportunity to negotiate that. And I would like to thank the chairman and particularly your staff because they have spent, both staffs have spent an exorbitant amount of time with back and forth with the, with the House on, on this issue. And lastly, before we vote, I would ask consent I be added as a co-sponsor. Without objection, the Senator will be added as a co-sponsor. Uh, the question is on the uh, Cardin Amendment uh, as revised. Is there any other member seeking to be recognized? If not, all those in favor will say aye. 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 All those opposed will say no. The ayes have it, and the amendment is agreed to. Uh, let me turn, continue, and go down the aisle. Uh, Senator Barrasso. Uh, Senator Rounds. Senator Rounds gets five stars. Uh, so let me turn over here. Uh, Senator Shaheen. Uh, Senator Coons. Senator Kane. Be added as a co-sponsor. Senator Kane will be added as a co-sponsor without objection. Senator Markey. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, uh, very much. You sure you don't uh, want to be five stars? No, go ahead. I'm just kidding. kidding. <laughs> I, it's just kidding. I said, you sure you don't want to be five stars? I'm giving out five stars for people who are not asking for any more amendments. So oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> when Sister Carita gave me that in the first grade, it, it, it really made my mother happy. And, and the same thing would be true, I think, for any member here getting it from you, Mr. Chairman. Um, the um, Yeah, so my amendment here that... Uh, now, making right now, I'm going, to, I'm going to withdraw this, but I just want to lay it out because I think it's an important thing for us to, um, uh, to um, begin to consider. And it's marking number six, uh, which um, because I, I support the ultimate goal of complete, verifiable, and irreversible denuclearization of North Korea, as is called for in the Strategic Competition Act. However, I fear that a policy of maximum economic pressure greatly limits the negotiation space for the President and our allies to negotiate a possible agreement that offers some form of tailored sanctions relief in exchange for actions taken by North Korea that advance our security. A step-by-step -step process that verifiably freezes North Korea's nuclear weapons and ballistic missile programs would advance our security without surrendering global leverage if the Kim regime were to cheat on its commitments. But I also think we should sent a clear message that a policy of maximum pressure must not impact the very people of North Korea we aim to help battle disease and hunger. My amendment expresses support for the ongoing sanctions review undertaken by the Biden administration to ensure that the sanctions imposed by the United States and by the international community on the Kim regime does not inadvertently harm humanitarian uh, access and humanitarian travel to North Korea. Uh, I'm going to withdraw uh, this amendment at this time, but I do believe it's a subject that we all have to address as time uh, moves on. Uh, and, uh, and I also have an amendment that, uh, that I would like to call up, uh, uh, Mr. Chairman, and that's that China has 
provided Saudi Arabia with the building blocks for nuclear weapons. The State Department annual arms control compliance report already faults the Chinese government for proliferating ballistic missiles to other countries, including to Iran. This amendment requires the State Department to report on whether China transferred missile cap uh, capable of carrying nuclear weapons covered under the missile technology control regime to any other country uh, in the last three years and to describe what sanctions the president may impose pursuant to existing law. The amendment also requires a report on the policy steps the State Department would take both to prevent and respond to the export of enrichment or reprocessing facilities by China to any other country. Uh, press reports from last year indicate that China may have aided Saudi Arabia in constructing a yellow cape uh, extraction facility, uh, the stage in the nuclear fuel cycle that precedes enrichment of uranium. Against the backdrop of Iran's concerning advancements in its nuclear program, Saudi Arabia's own reported illicit cooperation with China requires that we make a diplomatic offensive uh, to prevent a regional arms race. Uh, so I urge and I vote on this amendment. For the clarification of all members, I understand this to be marked Amendment 8? And number 8, yes. Thank you. Uh, I support the Senator's amendment. Is there anyone wishing to speak to it? Senator Risch? Mr. Chairman, I, I'm going to uh, oppose this, um, not not because it doesn't deserve attention. It really does, um, and and unfortunately, the the debate on this doesn't take place in a different setting than uh, than what we have here. Uh, but uh, in any event, I I think that uh, uh, this is better handled in a in, in a different situation. I, I'm going to I'm going to oppose it. I think there's some things in here that that deserve our attention. Indeed, there are things in here that are already getting very explicit attention by different agencies, the United States government. But in any event, I, I, don't, I don't think it's appropriate in this bill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oppose this. Any other senator uh, wishing recognition on the amendment? We, Mr. Chairman, we also ought to talk about the blue slip problem here where it places sanctions. I mean, this is the same I'm, old, same I'm not aware of I, a blue slip problem here, so uh, I, would have, I would have raised it with the senator if I thought there was one. Um, well, let me just say I'm very concerned about potential Chinese assistance to Saudi Arabia's ballistic missile and nuclear programs. Any such transactions that we've seen publicly reported would be a violation of the Missile Technology Control Regime and Arms Export Control Act. I believe Congress should receive full information about these potential Chinese activities that could spur proliferation in the Middle East. So I intend to support the Senator's amendment. Uh, with that, uh, seeking, seeing no one else seeking recognition, uh, all those in favor will sit with the senator. The senator, the ranking member, asks for a roll call vote. The, the clerk will call the roll. Murphy, do you have a... uh, aye. Mr. Kane, aye. Mr. Murphy, do you have a... Aye. 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 Romney, no. The Portman, no. The Paul, aye. Mr. Young, no. No. 
proxy. Support also no. the crews, the rounds, the Haggerty. Where's Haggerty? I have my proxy. Chairman. Aye. Clerk will report. Mr. Chairman, the yeas are 15, the noes are 7. And the amendment is agreed to. Is there anyone on uh, the Republican side of the aisle who wishes to offer an amendment? Is there anyone on the Democrats? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Senator Paul. This amendment is pretty simple. It establishes a could you point tell us of order. Which, I'm sorry. Could you tell us which number just so we can? Uh, be Paul number four. Thank you. This amendment establishes a point of order. We have almost $300 billion in unauthorized spending that occurs each year, including a large segment that are from actually in the purview of our committee. Many of the programs continue to be funded, have not been reviewed by Congress since the 1980s. My amendment, the Legislative Performance Review Act, says Congress do your job. It would create an order, a point of order, to require authorizing committees to look back at programs and determine if they are still needed or effective or how they should be changed to make them more effective. The idea actually is based on S-1244 from the 95th Congress, whose author was none other than the senator from Delaware, Joe Biden. The real change we made is to give authorizers a transition period of four years to get authorizations up to date. Biden's original bill would have forced it immediately. So this is the moderate version of Joe Biden's bill. I don't agree with the president on too much, but I think he hit the nail on the head when he called for congressional review of programs we create. It's insane, and people are upset that we keep spending, particularly when we find the crazy things that people are spending money on, and these programs have not been reviewed. We should review these things every year. We should authorize them, and we should fix stuff that doesn't work and quit spending you know, stuff on crazy things like you know, the mating call, the male frog in Panama. So this would be a point of order that we would establish, and I recommend a yes vote. Um, while I appreciate my colleagues' dedication to the congressional budget process, this amendment is not appropriate for this bill, nor is it under this committee's jurisdiction. Uh, if the senator wishes to reform the budget and appropriations process, I certainly would urge him to take his amendment up on the appropriate bills and the resolutions on the floor, so I'll have to rule the amendment out of order. Um, is there anyone on the Democratic side seeking to offer an amendment? There is none. Is there anyone else on the Republic? I'm sorry, Senator yeah. Mur yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, very much. Of, we're down to three stars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. I'm sorry. My mother would have been happy with that, too, unfortunately. Which amendment is this? My mother always said she was going to donate my brain to Harvard Medical School as a completely unused human organ. So three stars would be great. I, I think it would be well um, used. Uh, what, what amendment? Mr. Chairman, uh, I'd like to call it Marky number four. Uh, my amendment, co-sponsored by Senator Young, uh, would create a quad uh, parliamentary working group uh, modeled on the existing bilateral parliamentary groups that the United States has uh, with the United Kingdom, Canada, Mexico, and others. Uh, this would include the United States, uh, Japan, Australia, and India. Uh, the quad interparliamentary group would provide a forum for legislators, such as members of this committee and its staff, to meet regularly to guide the implementation of recommendations from quad working groups on a variety of subjects. The amendment will help institutionalize the work of the quad to sustain cooperation uh, amongst these four democracies. 
Even when a change of government in one or more countries inevitably occurs, the Quad Interparliamentary Group will help our four countries diversify cooperation on issues beyond its traditional defense focus, such as by delivering alternatives to China's Belt and Road Initiative uh, in the Indo-Pacific and delivering on the promise to provide over 1 billion COVID-19 vaccines to the region. The amendment calls upon the State Department to enter into negotiations with Japan and Australia and India within 30 days on the creation of such a group to give each government maximum flexibility to determine the scope of work and the makeup of its members. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Markey. Um, look, I'm pleased to see President Biden raise the importance of the Quad last month with a head of state dialogue meeting, which followed Secretary Blinken in Austin's trip to the Indo-Pacific uh, in February. This amendment establishing a Quad intra-parliamentary working group would take that relationship to the next level, the level it deserves. So I will seek to support the Senator's amendment. Is there anyone else wishing to speak to the amendment? If not, all those in favor will say aye. Aye. All those opposed will say no. The ayes have it, and the amendment is agreed to. Is there any member on either side seeking recognition for to offer an amendment? Uh, Senator Barrasso will be recorded as a no. Uh, any member seeking recognition? In the absence of doing so, then we are ready to vote on final passage. Uh, is there a motion to vote on the Strategic Competition Act as amended by all of the amendments approved today? So moved. So moved, Senator Riss, seconded by Senator Kane. Uh, the clerk will call the roll. Mr. Carter, aye. Mr. Janine. Aye. Mr. Kane. Aye. Mr. Murphy. Aye by proxy. Aye by proxy. Legislation is approved and sent with a favorable recommendation to the Senate. Let me, at this point, we have one more piece of uh, legislation, but let me thank all of our colleagues. That type of vote sends an incredibly powerful message, uh, I think, to the world, sends it to our leadership uh, as we pursue the legislation on the floor. And I thank all of our colleagues. I hope uh, you appreciated that we have had, this is the essence of what legislating is supposed to be all about. We haven't had an opportunity like this sometime. I want to thank the ranking member again and all of you uh, for your engagement um, and um, the ideas you added were incredibly uh, and powerful and important and we appreciate it and it's really a committee product now that goes to the floor. So my thanks to all of you and uh, I, I certainly Mr. want to Chairman. thank very briefly uh, the staff on both sides, uh, and on my side, I must say that these people spent endless hours. Uh, so uh, Andrew Keller, Ruchi Gill, John Ryan, Michael Schiffer, Damian Murphy, Doug Levinson, Megan Bartley, uh, Elizabeth Schneider, and Senator Rich's staff, uh, among others, uh, Matt Sullivan, Laura Crouch, Andy Olson, Scott uh, Richardson, uh, as well as the uh, staff director.
uh, Chris. So, uh, so my thanks to all of them. I know we have one more piece of legislation, but well, just I want to uh, associate myself with those remarks. I, I'm not going to go through all the names, but uh, certainly everybody had an input in this, and the the hours were uh, incalculable, and the and the uh, hurdles that had to be crossed were were very significant. History will only judge whether or not this is as important as we think it is. We think it is important. It's uh, a finally a step uh, forward on something we all talk about. Uh, I hope we get a, a, a vote that's similar on the floor. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Senator Merkley, I assume that we are going to forego calling up the, the legislation independently. Is that correct? That is correct. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is withdrawn. So finally, we turn to S814, um, uh, the Ukraine Security Partnership Act. Uh, I am pleased. Uh, I want to thank Senator Risch and his staff, as well as our, all of our co-sponsors for their partnership on this piece, important piece of legislation. The bill is especially timely now, with Russia amassing troops along Ukraine's border, cutting access to uh, key ports in the Black Sea. And we need to stand with our Ukrainian friends who are literally on the front lines battling Kremlin aggression. I urge my colleagues to demonstrate our commitment to the U.S.-Ukraine security partnership by supporting the speedy passage of the bill. Uh, I'm happy to recognize Senator Risch has been a driving force on this. Uh, um, I, I think this is... And I am pleased that we are able to negotiate a manager's amendment which incorporates the first degree amendments filed by both Senator Risch and Murphy, and I will be supporting the manager's amendment. Is there any member uh, who wishes to comment on the manager's amendment or the bill at this point? Senator Murphy. Uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Chairman. I know it's been a, a long meeting, so very quickly, I just want to thank you and the ranking member for uh, including language in the manager's amendment that recognizes that, uh, well, security assistance right now is of vital importance to Ukraine. Uh, Putin's game from the very beginning has not necessarily been to march his army all the way into Kiev. It's been to destabilize the country to the point that ultimately, uh, through the political process, the Ukrainian people decide to install a government that once again settles under the wing of the Kremlin. And so it is our military support that is important, but frankly, it is also our economic support and our political support, our anti-corruption programming that helps stabilize the government uh, so that all of these efforts to destabilize, uh, whether they be military efforts, propaganda efforts from the Russian government are not successful. And so in the manager's package, we just recognize that our commitment to Ukraine needs to be multifaceted, both a security commitment uh, and also a non-military economic and political commitment as well. I thank you for including this in the manager's package. Well, thank you for your contribution. Is there anyone else who wishes to speak on the manager's amendment? If not, uh, the question, is, is there a motion to approve the manager's amendment by voice vote? So move, seconded. Uh, all those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed say no. The ayes have it, and the manager's amendment is uh, agreed to. Uh, is there any other amendments uh, to be offered? Senator Cruz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you for the hard work on this Ukraine bill. Uh, the amendment I have, I call it Cruz 1, uh, is not an amendment that is going to surprise any member of this committee. Uh, one of the great victories that this committee has produced uh, over the last two years has been standing up to Putin and stopping Nord Stream 2. And we have seen strong bipartisan cooperation uh, to do so. We have seen this committee twice uh, take up and pass bipartisan sanctions focused on stopping Nord Stream 2. The first sanctions that we passed 
overwhelmingly ended up halting construction of the pipeline immediately. For a year, the pipeline lay dormant, a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea because of the sanctions that came out of this committee. We then passed a second set of sanctions that ratcheted up the pressure even more. Uh, as everyone on this committee is aware, however, Russia has returned to building Nord Stream 2, has done so in November of last year. And they are trying to rush through and finish the last mile of the pipeline and get it online uh, before the administration acts to impose sanctions. I will say Secretary Blinken, uh, in part as a result of bipartisan urging from members of this committee, put out a strong and unequivocal statement that, that those in violation uh, of law, federal law will face sanctions, and that statement should be heard uh, by anyone involved in this project. This amendment uh, continues to put forward pressure on the administration to follow the law and impose sanctions, and in particular, it names 20 entities and requires an almost immediate determination whether they should be sanctioned. Uh, it is a message that will be heard by every company involved in building this pipeline, that if you are involved, you will be sanctioned. And if we're going to stop this pipeline, that needs to be heard with real immediacy. Um, as you know, I have been concerned that the Biden administration has not moved swiftly enough in terms of implementing the law. As the chairman has pointed out, I also had concerns the Trump administration didn't move swiftly enough implementing the law. And so with both administrations, this committee in a bipartisan manner has leaned in to use every tool we have to stop the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which stopping that pipeline is good for Europe, it's good for America, and it's very bad. It's good for Ukraine, which is obviously the topic of this bill, and it's very bad for Putin. And, and so I would urge a, a bipartisan support of this amendment. Uh, anyone else uh, wishing to be recognized? Senator Haggerty. I'd just like to say I wholeheartedly support Senator from Texas' amendment, and I appreciate your leadership in terms of bringing urgency to this critical strategic issue. Thank you. Mr. Chairman. Senator Shaheen. Um, I'll just be quick. I think right now as we see um, Putin trying to eliminate his biggest opposition leader, Navalny, in prison, the best shot we can make is to stop the Nord Stream 2 pipeline if we're going to get his attention. So I, I hope we will pass this. Anyone else seeking recognition? Uh, uh, Senator Merkley. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I also support this amendment, but for additional reasons, which is that if we're going to tackle climate chaos, we can't be supporting expansion, massive expansion of national natural gas infrastructure around the world. And so uh, I may come at this from a different direction, but uh, I like the outcome. I thank the, the senator. Uh, I support the, the senator's effort in the amendment, and if he'll take a voice vote on this. Uh, all those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed say no. The ayes have it, and the amendment is agreed to. Uh, I, I, I just ask members to bear with us uh, two more minutes. I understand Senator Murphy uh, may have a clarification for us. Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Chairman, I appreciate it. Um, uh, with respect to the amendment number five that I uh, submitted, the revised amendment, uh, I just want to make clear that it's my intention that the increase 
uh, authorized by my amendment uh, shall be used for loan guarantees. And Mr. Thank Chairman, I ask to be added as a co-sponsor to Senator Cruz's effort. Senator Barrasso shall be added as a co-sponsor to Senator Cruz's amendment. Are there any other amendments to be offered? If not, uh, the question is on the motion to approve. Is there a motion to approve S-814 as amended? So moved. Second uh, is, uh, yes, okay, moved and second. The question is on the motion to approve S-14 as amended. All those in favor will say aye. Aye. All those opposed will say no. The ayes have it. And the legislation is approved and sent to the Senate in a positive, with a positive recommendation. With that, I ask that the that completes the committee's business. I ask unanimous consent that staff be authorized to make technical and conforming changes without objection. So ordered. And with the thanks of the chair and the ranking member, this uh, meeting is adjourned. Congratulations. Thank you.